The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. This episode of the intermediate line is brought to you by Nervous Water. For all your premium fly fishing requirements, please visit nervouswater.com.au. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. Thanks for joining us for another week, folks, to the Intermediate Line podcast. And I'm very excited about tonight's guest, but we can get into that later. How are you going, Volts? Yeah, I'm great, mate. Really excited to be here again. It's, um, it's a wonderful time of the year. It's, uh, beginning of spring. Spring has sprung. Happening. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the uh, the AFO Hinchinbrook Fly Fishing Challenge is on this weekend, too, as we're recording it. So Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, when people are listening to this, there'll be um, it'll either be the last day of competition, or um, it would have already concluded. So, um, you know, these brushes has provided. The, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, you uh, you're throwing your hat in the ring as a sponsor again, very generously. Uh, it's, a, it's a big pack this year, man. I've um, provided every competitor with a uh, a pack of uh, Yowie blend, uh, Yowie fiber, yeah. um, a bottle of Raidzap Super Thin. Uh, their very own full Gavs Crab kit, and and also I uh, I teed them up with Arex, and Arex have just gone big with their with their um with their supply as well. So, you know, we're we're all in, mate, for the for the comp. It's uh it's a great comp, and uh, stoked to be involved with it. That's great. It's really really into it. That's pretty generous, man. I hope uh, hope that the uh, the competitors appreciate that and um and and get the full advantage out of those products because. There's some winners there, mate. There's yeah. 50 competitors, and I'm um, there's there's close to 60 bucks worth of value from Beast Brushes for every competitor. Holy shit! You're like Father Christmas, you know. <laughs> Great presents and come once a year. And anyway. I'm listing who's naughty who's nice as well. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Did you say I come once a year for Christmas? You mean? Father, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. I, I, I wonder, uh, I wonder how everyone's going there. Um, Caterfly, he, uh, I saw a photo on on Instagram stories. He was packed up the car and he had a um, a boot full of goodies too, shirts and oh yeah, stubby holders. Can you imagine how much work those stubby uh, stubby coolers going to get this weekend? Yeah. Eh? 
<laughs> it, they will, mate. They'll be um, they'll be the reason for some tennis elbow, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh well, um, and um, yeah. Hopefully yes. the uh, hopefully the weather's good for them and they uh, they get it done. Yeah. Yeah, I believe the weather's the weather could be a bit of a uh, could be a bit of a wild card for them. This this one got good tides. Looks looks pretty good. I think uh, different tides last year. I think last year they were com- people were complaining about springs, or oh, the back end of the springs. But I think they got neeps. Yeah, we're coming right on the neeps now. I believe right raising. Well, they might be falling neeps. I think when's the when's the um, quarter moon? I think on the fourth, right? I think. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. I think. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's not very good podcasting to look up moon calendars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, yeah. You been fishing? Yes, I have been, mate. Um, I took a big break. I didn't. Uh, not a not a uh, purposeful break, but just got caught up in work and hadn't fished. I think um, listeners may remember the last time I got on here and spoke about fishing a uh, um, a glass rod for the first time. And I remember so, that. So between yeah, Lodic or Lodic, yeah. But between then and um, only. Well, I've been been fishing a few times, I suppose. Yes, in the last few weeks, I just sort of made a made a go at getting out at least once or twice a week, uh, whenever I could. And yeah, I um I can report back. I did mention that I would report back when I uh, was able to cast the uh, the glass rod around again. And I took it out the other day with um with Jakey. And uh, yeah, right. I feel like on the last podcast we spoke about. Anyway. I couldn't remember. You took at night. You're fishing at night time, throwing big heavy flies around on light lines and getting it done, right? God, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so since the last podcast, yeah, I took it out. Went out with Jake and um, just looking out for some um, some brim. I was fishing um, some of James Cave's uh, Burmy flies, the fur, his fur babies. Yeah, Man, fur I really, looking. I really like those flies, mate. <laughs> God, Jimmy is is such a good fly tire. Like I I um I look at his little creations and he'll um he'll send us up a pack. Like I'll buy flies off him and he'll send us a pack. I just say just tie me a random selection, and um they'll come up and and oh, it's hard to describe. Really is really Borsky esque type flies. Uh, a lot of craft fur that he works with, but the color combinations that he comes up with and and the 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 blends of flash and the the hidden colors in there and stuff like that, man. I really I just look at them and I think to myself, I've got to hope I don't lose this fly. And I tell him, and he goes, just feed it to the lines. I'll just tie you another one. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they're there to be fished. But um, <laughs> sorry, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm I've actually been the uh, fortunate recipient of some brim flies from from Jimmy too. Um, uh, I haven't used them on brim. Uh, I've got coral trout on them. Um, but yeah, when he says feed them to the line, I'm at, or the the massive irony is you're taking a brim fishing, you know. Uh-huh. But, um... <laughs> oh man, I know what you think of brim fishing, mate. But um, they're um, look, they're they're a species that's accessible to a lot of people, and I don't begrudge them because it's my, it, you know, it's what's available in my local water, commonly. Yeah. And um, you know, like I, I I made a post to, today about what you know when fishing a few days earlier. Uh, the day of recording this podcast, and I mentioned something in there that I've met, I've spoken to with other people that I've fished with before, like Bruma, one of those fish that, like, you know, you could pull twenty off a stormwater drain, but you put that same fish on on a on a on a like a like a, a sea type a sea 
flat, I guess you could say, like really close to the mouth of the uh, of the estuary where the seawater is coming in, clear yep. clear flats. That's a whole different animal, mate. That is a hard fish to feed, eh? You know, sure. and um, yeah, um, I don't want to make Jake feel bad for this, but Jake wasn't using Burmese fly stuff, and um, and 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 the uh, the ratio of fish between the Burmese fly to the non Burmese fly was quite high. Jimmy's flies went really well because then I gave him to Jakey and then he started catching too, you know? Was, oh, good. Um, yeah. We don't want yeah. Jakey now, so. No. Yeah. But getting back to the rod. Yep. The rod the rod performed really well. Like when I could see the um, the line in the air and knew the timing to bring it back, because listeners may or may not remember, didn't give it much of a chance to, to fish it at night with a clear line. I couldn't see it. Um, yep. And um, so that yeah, was, it was, I found it, not that far removed once i saw it a few times saw the line layout behind me and got the timing right um it, you could overpower it as in like you could move it too fast gotta keep in mind i'm used to some used to pretty high modulus graphite rods so it was a that was the first time i fished it during the day second time i fished it ever and um it didn't take that much to get used to i found it actually surprisingly ballsy for a four weight glass rod for what i had in mind for it or even the way it feels out of the packet like it's incredibly floppy but the cast everything lines up for lack of a better term um through the cast and and it's really like like any of the tnt rods i've cast so far it's just really controlled through the cast you know it's um it was amazing it was pretty good so in 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 some circumstances you might have been um blind casting you know in a deeper hole and stuff like that so i was you know i'd be i'd be testing the the distance of the line I don't know what line I had. I've got a, I had an SA Stillwater. I've had that line for, fuck, I don't know, 15, 18 years or something like that, maybe. It's a really old line, but um, I know it's a five weight, So, but I don't know what the grains of it is. So it's probably closer to a, a four weight of a modern line now anyway, I guess. Um, but yeah, it casts really well. I, I've heard I've heard you say it. I heard something that, uh, I was speaking to Andy Bolts the other day, he was telling me that Dan Ivanov will run like a massive spread of lines over 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 a glass rod, you know. For his eight weight, he'll run anything from six weight to twelve weight. He um he told told Andy, which I think is pretty amazing. But now after casting one, I can sort of see how that works, right? Yeah, yeah. What um what uh, what was your opinion of that, mate? Is there any truth to um the uh, you know some of those comments we were making about? fiberglass as a material not so much specific to the rot they're um almost self-loading in some regards eh? yeah i think i think um that comment is probably accurate but not accurate at the same yeah, time misleading but it's, yeah. yeah misleading is a good way to put it i suppose you know yeah. like you suppose you um you don't like the the rod bends that much through the blank that it's it's almost not needing the line to, to to make the rod bend if you know what i mean like you could you could accelerate without the the line creating the the drag to load the rod and the rod would bend and you could stop and then that energy could just transfer nothing as it as it straightens out i could be really butchering that but um i mean all rods all rods do that but that glass rod just bends so much deeper that you could probably you could probably cast the a running line on it quite easily you know if you know what I mean, like, uh, like you know, you could reverse a turn a line around backwards and cast it. If you know what I mean, that sounds perfect for Gaza. Yeah, I was thinking of Gaza. I was saying that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, 
<laughs> but no, it went, it went really well. I was, I'm, I'm really keen to use it more. I want to yeah. test it, you know, like um, the brim were fun. Like the brim were, it made brim feel really sporting, you know, and... Um, Make brim uh, great again. Yeah. <laughs> Look, brim are cool, man. Brim go, brim go hard, you know, like they, they really do. They're a, they're a little, little battle of a fish, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and like I keep maintaining that they're not easy, you know, sometimes they are, just depends on where you find them. I guess, um... You could say the same thing about GTs, I suppose. You know, like little rat GTs are easy to catch hand over fist. You yeah. you get you get one over fifty pound on the flats, mate, and that's one of the smartest animals you've ever seen. You know, true, true that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, no, pretty good, mate. I was pretty pretty happy with it. Yeah, good. It's a um, it's a, it's a pretty handsome rod. I know aesthetics uh, shouldn't play that much of a decision, but you know when you're at at that end of the market, it sure as um, sure as hell. Makes a uh, makes you feel better about your purchase when it looks good. Yeah, it's pretty. That's for sure. You want to hear? A, you want to hear a full weight story? Yeah, tell me a full weight story. I'll tell you a full weight story, mate. The other night, I uh, got an offer from the Shan man, uh, Shannon Hodges, um, soul of the earth chap. Yeah, yeah, full legend, dude. And um, and he, uh, he invited me down to fish with him, <clears throat> um, uh, and I took him up on the offer. Anyway, so we went out to this place. Um, we were fishing. I'm not going to give away hardly anything from it because, um, yeah, where where he fishes is um, is next to a very very highly densely densely populated area, and I'm yeah. g- guessing many people would give their eye teeth to figure out where he is. Um, so I'm not going to expand on it at all, other than it was in the salt water for Jewfish, as you would expect. Anyway, so. Um, the situation was uh, spring tide. The water was moving pretty fast and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, through the night, Shannon's casting this four-way around into these absolute kamikaze areas, you know. I couldn't help it. Like, <laughs> I'm watching Shannon and he's, he's chucking his fly in these um, in these super tight areas for these these jewfish that are just, you know, you can hear them buffing. We can't really see them, but they're eating, eating, eating whatever they're eating, fish, shrimp, whatever. And he's chucking his line in there. I'm like, there is no way you're ever going to get that out, you know. So sometimes they didn't eat or, or he'd pull a, like a, um, a decent one out, you know, and, and he'd get it out. But in one situation there, we were um, just cruising along and we could hear this thing just smashing whatever it was eating again on the surface of the water. Now, this was up on like a, like a, like a tabletop, if you like. And um, for where this was in this body of water, it was creating like an eddy. So the water where this fish was feeding was almost was going really slow but opposite to the to the tide right if you know what i mean so it was just like a real swirling around eddy this fish was in there so um you couldn't see it but we could see where it was it was around near a bit of a dock um and um and shannon's chucking a five inch <laughs> five inch game changer on his four weight and um and he says to him, and he had a few of the casts, and he's like, ah, oh, I can't get it. And he goes, you have a go. And I'm going, no way, dude. Just keep putting that flying. That thing's going to eat. I just want to see this, what happened when he um, when he pinned this thing. This was, you could tell this wasn't um, uh, um, like a, a baby fish, you know? Yep. Anyway, so he chucked it in. He got the eat uh, on the four-weight. The rod loads up. It, it, it instantly buckles through to the cork. This jewfish has run under this oyster-encrusted structure. On the other side and he's put the brakes on it's jumped like a barra <laughs> and he's and he's somehow managed to pull this thing out um from underneath this um this jetty just locked up on a, on a four weight and um yeah lifted in and mate he had the whole thing in the boat in maybe under a minute you know wow you know? wow 
<laughs> and it ended up being ended up we weight we measured it not weight ended up going 76 centimeters so just just a centimeter over legal which is not a big fish but on a four weight that's that's a weapon 76 centimeter jewfish on a four weight but casting a five inch game changer wow <laughs> <laughs> and then he puts wow. it up on a post on instagram and his caption is like when it all lines up i'm like god damn it you are underselling the shit out of that thing dude that was um that was so epic. It was pretty fun. It was pretty cool to watch, eh? Most of the time I found myself just stopping fishing just to watch Shannon get railed on his on his four weight, but it never happened. <laughs> He's such a nice guy, Shannon, eh? Yeah. 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 Legend, man. Legend dude. That was a good night that night. Um yeah, I ended up getting a few fish myself. I was fishing that slow water game changer. Um and that was pretty cool. Uh chewing that thing so it sunk and it worked really well. I was fishing um Fishing, I was fishing an eight weight because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not psycho like Shannon, but um. <laughs> so you used to, I'm just going to jump in here. Use the term you, um, uh, you fished it so that it sunk. What, what um, uh, you said that like it was a statement. Do some people think it's a floating fly or? Oh uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I guess um, you know, like. Um, I put this up in a post as well, so you'll have to forgive me if you read that post. I'm doubling myself oh. up without banging on about too much, but go look at you it, know man. when I designed that slow water game changer, like I, I used foam tabs in that version. Um, as you know, that's that's like the result of like you know like the, the third version of this um, principle of, of using foam to keel each shank so it swims from side to side. Um, anyway, that version. Um, you know, I, I designed it so you could trim it on the water so it would sink level, if you know what I mean. So you could either have it, you could either you could either tie it on the tie it on the vice and leave enough foam on there so it floats and it could act like a wake bait. You know, like it walk the dog across the surface, or you can trim it so it sinks at the same rate as an intermediate line or a fast sink line. It's just a matter of trimming that foam down on the water, chucking it in the water, and make right. sure it doesn't doesn't uh, sink head first or tail first, but. Once that fly becomes almost unweighted, the um, the action you can get out of it when all it needs to do is just um, the action. I don't know how to describe this properly, but yep, the action is 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 not being clouded, for lack of a better term, by the fly falling through the water like a stone. Yep. You know, yeah, you know? fighting buoyancy one way or the other. You know, yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah. I've always modelled my intended action of game changers not off other game changers off of conventional guys those those timber mm. swim baits you know and um yep. i noticed that those things were um either suspending through through weights or trebles or hardware or whatever or floating you know and not very often sinking like a stone whereas most traditional yep. game changers did anyway my point being is that um yeah a lot of people did I did say it like that unintentionally, well, uh, no, not purposely, it's probably subconsciously, I suppose, because it is a subject of contention where people think that they float. Um, but yeah, I was fishing a fast sink line with that slow water game changer with just got foam tabs all the way through it. But the foam is not, not creating a, a surface. Technical like. question, mate. Yeah. When when you talk about tuning the uh, the foam, foam tabs, mm-hmm. um, when you were on your first tie um, before you adjust it, um, are the foam tabs meant to be um, sort of uh, proud of the body, level with the body, or yeah, well, the, with the with the with the body material, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you do. Like I, I always trim like that. So I, you don't have to. I mean, you tune on the water and you cut the foam tabs down. They might sit under that material. Yeah. Technically, 
you could leave it there. I mean, this goes down a bigger rabbit hole. But, you know, one thing you should... People who've done my lesson and, and um, on beastbrushes.com will notice that, you know, game changers, they've got like, uh, for inverted commoners, a forehead, so to speak, that don't swim very well, you know? So as long as you don't create that forehead um, and you've got a nice gentle taper from the eye of the hook back, which, you know, you only have to look at the pictures of anyone who ties game changers successfully, that's what they've got. Um, as long as you maintain that, you've got just um, acceptable hydrodynamics for that fly to still swim um, and use those tabs to keel it. I'm trying, I'm, yeah, to, to keel the fly. I'm really trying yeah, to narrow it down without getting too technical about it. But you know, do you know what I mean? Does it make sense to you? Sure, man. Sure. <clears throat> Sounds like yeah. you're fogging me off, but that's cool. Well, look, you know, probably <laughs> <man>. <laughs> it's all right. I'm used to it, mate. 143 shows in. <laughs> You tend to pick up a few few things, right? Well, look, we we can do we can do a show about you another time, man. But um, <laughs> you asked the not... question, man. Let's get things straight. <laughs> Let's play back the tape. <laughs> it's cool, man. I was just, just <laughs> asking about whether it was level with the body, you know. But anyway, got it. Got some nice jewfish on that one. It was a great session. <laughs> end up with end up with four jewfish in a couple of hours, and that was um that was fun. That was really cool. Yeah, good cool. hanging out with Shannon. It was watching good watching Shannon go kamikaze. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Here you yeah. Go. Sounds yeah. like a great session, man. Congratulations to both of you. I got a new TT rod. Uh, by the time this comes out, I'll, I'll have it in my hands. Ooh, really? What are you getting? The Exocet. I got a um, 350 grain Exocet. Uh, Exocet 2, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. So um, that, that'll be my searching fly. So that'll be for casting, you know, like uh, the, the short taper lines with, with, with game changers or bend backs and just yep. that searching pattern of just peppering peppering an area, you know? Um, the sextant's really good for that too, but sorry? I know what you mean. Sort of like, I won't say rapid cycling, but, you know, you've got a... You've got a searching. A, yeah, searching tool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Searching's fair yeah. enough, yeah. Yeah, so cool. Like a yeah. searching. Yeah. Well, I'll report back when, when I get to fish it, but uh, it's uh, it's the 350 grains are probably equivalent of sort of around about nine, a 910 weight, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I won't be a, I won't be using it if I'm going fishing for a brim. Well, yeah, that um, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, of course. No, 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 mate. No. Um, no, did you? Yeah, you yeah, you know, you haven't done much fishing for brim this week. No, not this week. Oh, listen to no, <laughs> not last week, not last year. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, though, I, I had I had sort of geared up with every intention of fishing for. Uh, uh, black brim, uh, Ludric, um, but uh, didn't didn't quite get around to it. Um, do you know much about them during a warmer month? Are they are they still a estuarine target, or do they disappear to? Oh, I think they bury themselves in the sand. and They don't eat for some. Yeah, right? yeah, they must do that. Hey, just get get their head into that strata and just disappear for six months or more. You know? Yes, yeah. <laughs> benthic residents, I believe they call that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the biologists describe them as um, obligate benthic residents. So Come on they, now. Uh, yeah, they, they, they're, they're, they're compelled to hang around the, the bottom. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm interested, you know, like uh, that, that you would see some sort of um, uh, social capital in that as opposed to fishing for silver brim. What is it? What's the difference to you between the two? Uh, is it the skill of like uh, chucking a weed fly out and just walking along with it that you like? 
Well, look, if, if you hadn't done it before, you might just assume that's what it is. But there's this, um, there's a, there's a, a real art in the uh, in triangulating and controlling the uh, the drift and the fly, mm. the drag free drift. You know, getting mm. the depth down there. So many challenges, so rewarding uh, if it ever comes off. But um, I'll tell you what it feels like when I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really think you'd like brim fishing, mate. I'll tell you what, like, uh, you know, casting at a fish and teasing it till, till it eats. Not not unlike many of the fish you've caught prior. Um, <laughs> Sounds like me online, though, you know. Yeah, I think, you'd, I think you'd like it. Sounds <laughs> like you're on what? On, online, Mo? Online. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it does sound a lot like you're online. <laughs> or one of your accounts, anyway, you know. But, uh, um... Yeah. I'm not saying you got fake accounts. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I'll take you out one day. We'll do a vlog on it, and we'll uh, we'll document you getting pantsed. What do you say? On brim. Yep. <laughs> right. Eh? That's, sounds like fun, man. You know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. What's the lightest rod you own? Uh, two weight. A two weight. Yeah. But don't you think that'd be uh, interesting? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, like a brim a two on the weight, some four weights, a five weight. I don't have a six weight. Yeah. But like, like uh, anything, anything sight fishing on on like saltwater flats, right? With a with a two weight, it has to be fun, right? Oh man, sight fishing is right fishing. You know that that'd be that'd be so uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Let's organise it. Okay. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Hey, what have we got on tonight, mate? We've got on um, a, uh, a stellar guest. Um, and yeah. What? I said, yeah, yeah. He's a good yeah. guest. We do. Can you tell us about him? Yep. I'm going to tell you, tell you all about him. So um, those, who, well, we're going to go over in the show, but uh, Peter, Peter Brimhall, right? That's who it is. And that's who we're um, going to be talking to. Now, if you don't know who that is, get your phones ready and get Instagram out and check out Merseyfly. He's a salt. Uh, sorry, salt. Well, he probably does do saltwater guiding somewhere along the lines, but um, but he's primarily a trout guide from Tasmania, and um, and he's a good one, and he's uh, a great photographer, and and a good dude. So um, yeah, grab a beer, sit down, listen to this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get him on. All right. Welcome back, listeners, to the Intermediate Line, Australia's original fly fishing podcast with uh, your host, Chris, and myself, Altsy. And tonight, I've got a very special guest with us all the way from Tasmania, Peter Broomhall. How you going, Peter? Good, Jeff. How are you, mate? Yeah, really good. Thanks, dude. Really good. Uh, and you're there, Chris. Yes, I am. Thank you, Volts. Um, over to you in the studio. But I just want to say hello to Pete first. How are you, mate? And thanks for joining us. Good, good, Chris. Yep, I'm out on the field tonight. I'm um, I'm actually out collecting bait. All for right. Traps. <laughs> for Take traps. For traps. What, what are you trapping, mate? No, no, it's for my traps. I collect the bait to eat the protein from my trapezoids from when I get in the gym. Um, it's, a, it's a detailed, long process. It's probably not appropriate on this show. But so, look, I mean, let's let's get into the fly fishing aspect of it. And um, 
you know, we can have we can have a show that doesn't talk about my physique, if you like, Bolts. Yeah, you happy sure. with that, mate? I am. I'm more than happy with it. You know, I yeah. think the last thing I want to be thinking about is your physique. So anyway, yeah, well, we know we know it's difficult, mate. But anyway, look, let's move on. Sorry, Pete, you had to hear that, mate. It's no, um very no very very unprofessional, but we'll we'll uh, we'll carry on. So, mate, uh, for people that are, that live under a rock and don't don't know, um, you're um you're you're a guide in Tasmania, right? Yeah, mate. Yeah, my guide down here. Been a yep. guide. I've been guiding in Tassie for the last about eight years. So, mm-hmm. um, currently working for Aussie Fly Fisher as a Tasmanian-based guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my second year with those guys. Um, mate, before we get too far along into the show, we often like to invite the listeners to play along at home. Um, do you want to drop the name of your Instagram handle? Because it's a pretty stunning page. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Merseyfly. Yep. And um, I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering, M-E-R-S-E-Y, is it? That's That's correct, yes, mate. Okay, cool. I'm just thinking that, uh, you know, like we wouldn't want anyone to miss out because they, you know, they can't spell or anything like that. I mean, there are some Queenslanders are going to be listening to this for sure. So I just thought it'd help them out a bit. Um. (laughs) What a deal now. Yeah, it's a stunning page. It's a, it's a visual smorgasbord, some would say. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, so what's, where's the name Mersey come from? Uh, basically, um, I live in La Trobe on the northwest coast of Tassie, mid-north coast, mm-hmm. and I'm like about two minutes away from the Mersey River. So I've grown up basically born and bred in La Trobe, and it just flowed from that, I guess. So Mersey, fly fishing, Mersey fly. Right, okay. Don't get too technical down here. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can see it. It makes sense. Don't be fooled in. That's the only place I fish, though. But some people think that, I think. It's wow. um. It looks like a place you could fish for your whole life, though. I mean, it looks like a. I mean, if, if most of the pictures on your page are from that system, it's a pretty healthy system, right? Well, if my most of the pictures on my page were from that system, it would be. But yeah, ah. it um. Yeah, it's certainly certainly a really good river, the Mersey. Um, mm. You could base yourself there. I think it's up up there with the the best waters in the state. Definitely gotcha. up there with the best rivers in the state. So, so what's your what's your designated area then, mate? Like, well, how big an area do you span working in? Uh, you know, working for, within a drive. Um, look, I base myself uh, pretty much on so pretty much right across the north coast. So, from the far northwest up through to the far northeast, um, and then a lot of lot of work up around the central plateau and the lakes, the lake country. Mm. So, pretty much the north of the state. Yeah, nice. Don't need okay. to go down past the Cascade Bogues dividing line. <laughs> um, Tassie listeners will know what I mean there, and probably quite a few more. Can, before we move past that, explain that to me. Is it sort of a, a territorial thing where you, you classify somebody by what uh, you classify a Tasmanian by which, which beer they drink? Is that what it's Definitely. Like? Definitely. Where is this imaginary line? Uh, it's around about Oatlands. Okay. So in the mid. Mid part of the state, mm. I think. Uh, yeah, so if you're in the south of the state, you drink Cascade. If you're from the north, you drink Bogues. So there's no in betweens. Okay, <laughs> I see on a map now. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, smack bang in the middle, really, as close as it gets, basically. <laughs> yeah. So are the are the uh, are the Cascade drinkers? Are they um, what you'd term inbreds? Oh, 
Look, I don't know if I should be going there. Well, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Bolsey comes out with the nukes within five minutes, mate. I've still got to work down here, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On behalf of the intermediate line, Pete, and all the production crew here that are working, we want to sincerely apologise and distance ourselves from Jeff Bolsey. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a nice town though, Oatlands. It looks like a really good place to sit on a fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet my yeah. Uncle Toby lives there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What does he drink? Uh, I'm not sure what he drinks. I know what he eats though. <laughs> um <laughs> oh, God. that's terrible, man. That was so, a bad uh... joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Bogues is definitely, uh, uh, you know, the pick of the Tasmanian beers. I, I think it is, but um, like, if you, you if you're below the line, you'd you'd argue the other way. Mm. Man, I'm going to take you off the um, the beer subject there for a little bit, well, and um, yeah. and I'd like to like to learn a little bit more about um, whether or not you get involved in the in the fly culture down there too much. If, if, if so, tell us a little bit about it. The fly culture. So, yeah, I mean, Tassie's, Tassie's got a pretty steep tradition in fly fishing, right? Oh, and it's, um, it's huge down here, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you might have to cut that one bit out. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by the fly culture. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I <laughs> mean, well, I mean, you know, like uh, how ingrained is, is fly fishing uh, in general, amongst you know the population, I know you know like uh, um, it just seems to me it's it's probably more per capita uh, as a as a recreational sport than it it might be in other parts of Australia, <laughs> and I, I could be wrong, but um, put, it, um, put it this way, Pete, when say Chris and I are fishing for Saratoga in you know a, a well known local dam, you still get boats going. Oh, look at them, they're fly fishing. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. We still get yeah, that like, down here too. Really? Okay. Yep. Yeah. See, that's surprising to hear from standing on the outside looking in. You know, that's what I'm, I guess. I guess what I'm trying to learn. I suppose it's um. I, I think it. I think what happens is there's a um. There's a gradual I mean, over the years. There's always a bit of a, a graduation from the bait guys through to the spin. Then then a few of them take up fly fishing, mm. so that ebbs and flows a little bit. Um, the advent of soft plastics down here um, certainly took a lot away from fly fishing. I think for a little while, mm-hmm. yep. so those guys got a bit bored bored with the, the fact that they just well trout are pretty easy to catch on lures. To, if you want to be brutally honest, mm. but uh, the fly uh, once they uh, want a bit more of a challenge, then a lot of the guys turn to fly. Mm. But um, Seems- yeah, look, I'm not sure the. There could be more. This it certainly seems to be making a bit of a resurgence at the moment. Um, the, the fly. There's certainly a lot of guys jumping into the uh, competition fly fishing scene down here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not not completely my scene, um, but uh, yeah, it seems to be very popular. Yeah. These days, the comps. Even like, the club scene down there seems to be pretty well well and truly alive compared yeah, to other parts clubs, of the country. Um, yeah. Yeah, there seems to be quite. There is a lot of fly fishing clubs mm-hmm. around the place. Um, I guess at one stage it was seen as the, you know, the place the old guys turned up to, 
talk about the good old days, but I think it's sort of there's a lot of younger guys joining the clubs these days and it seems to be a thriving scene. Mm. Yeah. No, there's, there's definitely a lot of knowledge that um, still comes out of the, the old dudes from those clubs. I'm, I, um, I was only speaking to a couple of dudes the other day. I won't mention their names, but, you know, just um, real old school sort of knowledge, I guess. That's um, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I guess that that's the sort of thing I, I guess I'm asking, I suppose, because it it seems as though, you know, in the, in the uh, well, you know, in Oceania anyway, in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, New Zealand and Tasmania are, um, you know, although very different. Um, and you got to forgive me, mate. I'm I'm a, I've, I've I've um, started fly fishing in Queensland in, in salt water, so I mean, I'm it's it's quite foreign to me. The whole, whole trout side of things. Not that it doesn't appeal to me, but again, standing outside looking in, you know, like it seems like fly fishing is quite large. The culture is quite large in New Zealand, yeah. and 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 it's, fly fishing is quite large in culture in Tasmania. It seems like again, standing outside looking in, compared to anywhere else in Australia, like like Victoria or, or New South Wales, where it's still big. But yeah, I'll, I would imagine. I was just oh, sorry. I was just gonna say like it. it like I'll give you. a uh, um, a picture of situation. I just imagine there's probably a lot of houses in New Zealand. Ah, uh, oh, sorry, in, in Tasmania, they got a fly rod stashed somewhere in the house. You know? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's harder for me to make that judgment, I guess, because I, you know, basically I'm just immersed in the Tasmanian scene. So I mean, I always think there could be more fly fishermen. Um, you know, look, one of the things down here, and what a lot of people experience when they first come to Tassie. Um, main, uh, mainland visitors or visitors from Australia, if you like, <laughs> um, is is that they they can't believe the lack of pressure on our waters. Um, you know, a lot of Victorians come down and tend to crowd some of the local anglers because they're used to crowded fishing themselves. But you know, local anglers here will feel crowded if there's someone within a kilometre of them. Mm. Mm. So. You know, Americans, I've had guided quite a few Americans here that they just, first thing they see when you take them to one of the rivers is, they, they, where's all the people? Isn't this fishery any good? Because there's just no one on it. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, you know, we say so fly fishing is quite big here, but there's still, uh, it's certainly not, we're not looking at a crowded fishery or anything like that. It's a, it's a very low pressure fishery. I mean. Well, what, some, what makes it low pressure? Besides population, is it? Is I think it's just... it, it's definitely population. You know, Tasmania's population. What do we I think? It's about five fifty thousand total. Um, Two fifty of that's in Hobart. Mm. Um, another hundred thousand in Launceston, and then the rest spread out around the place. Mm. So population's part of it, um, and lots of water too. I'm guessing you know, and lots of water. Out. You know, every year. I mean. Friends and I will come up with a list of stuff we want to fish, and we'll get through part of it. We'll never. So there's there's a lot of waters in Tassie that I've never fished. Wow. Um, because you know, we, people imagine Tassie as a pretty small place, but there's a fair bit packed into it. Um, you know, you look at the Central Plateau, for instance, the Western Lakes. What you know, is, is what is probably our, what was regarded as our world class fishery. I mean, they call it the land of 3,000 lakes, and it's literally that much water out there. I mean, you can spend a full season out there and not fish part of it. Wow. Yeah. So it's um, certainly a lot of water, you know. I love the little streams and things like that, and there's so many of those. You, you just don't see anglers. You know, mm. packed, packed with trout. Um, yeah, so you just you tend to 
uh, hunt around and try and find these little blue squiggles on maps and go and check them out. And most of them have fish in them. What's your best uh, tool for that, mate? Like um, when you're finding these little blue squiggles here, are you using a map? Are you using Google Earth? Where are you? What's your? Uh, what are your search tools down there? Uh, Google Google Maps is yeah. part of it. Um, one called List Map, which is basically topographic and satellite imagery and things like that. So you can you can uh, focus right in and basically see where the streams are running through a bit of forest or pasture or whatever, and um, they're pretty handy tools. A lot better than what uh, people had, you know. Only a short time back, you know, decade yeah. or so back. Yeah, to these tools are getting better all the time. Um, yeah, oh, 100%. Had one guy recently, I've been doing a couple of work, a couple of days' work a week down at Essential Fly Fisher, and a lot of people coming in there. And one young guy said to me the other day, he said, um, Is there whereabouts can I find some small streams? Or is, it, is there any small streams about that are worth fishing? I said, Yeah, there is. And he just looked, he, I think he wanted me to keep going and say where, but I, just, I don't want to take your fun away. Dig out the maps and go and go and check them out. That's the fun of it. Mm. What, what's, the, what's the access like down there? Is the same pretty, talent or bad? Pretty good. Um, there's a lot of a lot of our rivers and lakes these days have got angler access uh, on them. So, which has been provided by inland fisheries and landowners. So, mm. this takes the guesswork out. You know, they've got they put styles in over fences, things like that. Um, mm. So, you know, guys can pull up and just basically know they can jump in. Most of the farmers are pretty good. If you, if there's no 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 formal access, if you go and knock on a door and ask, most are pretty good. Tend to avoid the ones that say trespassers will be shot or worse. <laughs> so yeah, other, yeah. other than that, that it's pretty good. Like so certainly no no problem finding fishable water. You don't need to be you don't need to jump in on other people. So you can there's always something something about within a pretty short range you there short, short, yeah cut out did you no i could hear hello you there hello gotcha we gotcha we lost chris have we i think so yeah yeah the, the bait's a bit back at him is it <laughs> I don't know. He might have drank some cascades or something. Nah. Mate. He, he might. Have, nah, here we go. Yeah, you might talking about me. Yeah, I thought the bait. Yeah, I thought you might have became bait. I dropped right bait. out. What's that, mate? Might, I thought you might have became bait. No, <laughs> 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 nah, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, I dropped right out there. I didn't. I didn't hear. I didn't hear for I don't know thirty seconds or so. But it's all good. Yep. There's probably a better show for it. <laughs> The best 30 seconds we've had. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, just to fill you in, um, yeah, Pete, Pete was saying about, um, about uh, you know, people from Hobart and, and how much they're, you know, their shit. And, um, <laughs> no, you have to cut that out. I, just, I do know some, some people, then, amazingly, they're good guys. And so, yeah, then there's, yep. <laughs> it's all fun, mate. And we all know the true enemy is Victorians. They keep all the undersized fish. <laughs> <laughs> we wait for the we wait for the Victorian hatch. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Tell us what a typical Victorian hatch looks like. Well, it's usually guys piling off the spirit of Tasmania, towing towing uh, edge trackers or whatever they 
hornets or whatever they go these days. All right. But, yeah, um, and, and hitting the lakes. Yeah, hitting the lakes, yeah, hitting the lake country. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so what's up? Uh, <laughs> what's so attractive about the Tasmanian lakes versus Victorian lakes? If you want to tow a boat across the Bass Strait and, and then uh, get in there, mate. Oh, look, I, I think Tasmania is uh, a pretty, well, a very good site fish, site fishing based fishery. So you pretty much can go through a season down here and not have to cast blind for a fish. You can spot you spot the fish and cast to it you know, right through right and you know the peak of summer when when a lot of our visitors are coming down. Yep. Um that's that you know especially in, especially in the lake country it's um spotting cruising fish polaroiding dry fly sure. is the is the peak of it. Mm. Is it seems to... you go, Chris. No, Vols, you go, mate. You started before me. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was just saying. Um, I was going to ask Peter. Is there, you know, on the on the limited amount of research and and other guests we've had from Victoria, uh, from Victoria, from Tasmania, on there's it seems to be a, a fishery that has vastly different opportunities. Um, and you know they're quite finite the windows for them. You know, based on the season. Yeah, as in the, the, the fishery, what we've yeah. got here. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it might be like a brief period of snail feeders or frog feeders. Yeah, feed look, I tend to, hat. yeah, and that's it's a good point. Look, I tend to base my whole season based around what I'd call events. So, yeah. you know, the first month of the season is usually based around, uh, you know, flood margin fishing, Um so up in the up in the lake country, uh, flooded lake margins. There's fish in the, in close feeding, feeding glaxia. You know the river floods, uh, fishing backwaters. Love that. It's pretty awesome fishing. And once again, you just don't see too many other people out doing it, which has got me beat. But um, you know, then not long after that, you you start getting white bait feeders in the uh, in the coastal areas. Um, yeah. So chasing sea run fish. Are the, are the um are the white bait feeders that, that's relying on sea access, obviously. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. any river that's got direct, without any major dams on it, will um will have uh, sea run trout coming up in following white bait. So white bait, there's a few different types, but a lot of them are juvenile glaxias coming back out from the sea. Yeah, moving back up in the river systems and the trout just. Gorge on them. Mm. Would you call those trout? Would you describe those trout as uh, anadromous? Um, yeah. Look, it, it's always a question around the sea run fish uh, fishery here. I mean, we call a lot of any fish in coast in in the estuary systems. We call them sea run, but a lot of them are probably what we'd call, um, for want of a better term, they're called slob trout, which are basically live in the estuaries. All year round. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, okay. So they'll follow. They they they'll feed on the white bait. They also feed a lot on you know crabs and things like that. So they grow. They can grow quite large in those systems. Is that, is that common? Like, I mean, would you see that in other areas of the world? I've never I heard that so. before. I, I think so. I think um, I mean the probably the not that I've done a lot of travel, but the 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 big sea run fish in South America, Terra del Fuego. Um, I think it's a Rio Grande, 
So they catch huge sea run browns there. Um, must be have, they must have a really good food source there. Those fish grow huge mm. in their systems. Our, our sea run fish here um, are pretty typical. Of, you know, you hear it a lot around the world. So brown trout are pretty common to run. They run at the sea and live around the coastal areas, then come back up in the in the river systems. Yeah, bright silvery fish is a real sign of a um, sea run fish. Uh, silver scales falling off him. You know, we tend to call most fish that are caught around the estuary systems sea-run fish. Yeah, I just mean these residents you're talking about. Like they, they never, they never leave at least brackish water. By the sounds of it, right? Is that, no, that... no, and I think it's pretty much a term they call them slob, slob trout. Yep, yep. So... That's from that's from getting at. So is that is that a phenomenon you, that you've observed that you believe unique to? Because you, you were mentioning... No, no, uh, I don't think that's unique. I think that's common around the world with, oh, with, okay. with brown trout. They get it in South Island and New Zealand, don't they? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So brown, so New Zealand's got a very similar run of uh, white bait to Tasmania and also I think some days there might be on some on the Victorian rivers as well, I think, but so there's definitely sea-run fish and white bait feeders in the New Zealand rivers. Yeah. Um, in the bottom end, and they'd probably be the same thing, the slob slob trout or estuarine trout. So, um, yeah, it's pretty hard to distinguish. I mean, they're just a, a, a true sea-run fish is bright silver, and uh, the slob trout tend to be a little bit more colour in them, but it's really hard to pick. Between the sea-run and the, and the slob trout, but the slob yeah. trout and the... Um, and the ones that are sort of spending most of their life, I'm guessing smaller ones, which spend most of their life in the fresh or up to a certain size, I could be really butchering that, and that would be make perfect sense to me. But um, uh, like there must be a way to tell the difference between them. I'm guessing. I'm not sure if I made any sense there. I might have to edit that out. Did that make <laughs> sense to you, Pete? Did it? Pretty bad to tell the difference between the two. Well, I mean, like you got, you're saying that you know, like a a, a true sea run trout being, uh, you know, quite a silvery fish is pretty easy to identify compared to, you know, say something that might live in the lakes or something like that, right? Oh yeah, they'll be pretty distinct appearance. I mean, we catch a lot of fish in the estuaries or the, up in the in the lower reaches of the river when when the when the white bait are about, especially mm. um, that are really silvery fish and you know pick it straight away. As a, it's really distinctive. Um, mm. I mean, you get some, you'll get some silvery-looking fish in certain lakes as well. But I mean, uh, it depends a lot on their food source, I guess. And so, yeah, okay. Um, you know, so, but the but the, the silver scales falling off the fish, bright. We call them chromies, chromed-up fish. So um, the, they're they're very distinctive. How did um how did the uh, these slob fish get the nickname slob? I'm not I mean, sure. Yeah, right, okay. Because I was just about to move on to the form of them. Like I'm guessing, with the, like you mentioned the food source there, I was thought perhaps the connection to the name slob and the food, the food source being you know, fish and crab eaters compared to terrestrial forages, they've probably got a, um, a bit better build on them, right? Like, like a balti, like a, yeah, a balti trout or something. Well, you know? Yeah, I can't, comment, I can't comment on that one from experience, but yeah. the um... – Not very high. <laughs> I, I don't think um i don't really think slob i don't think slob should be taken as a derogatory term with these fish i think it's more of a uh, i think it's a term that's come from i think it's a european actually the way they, oh. talk, they talk about their fish and i don't think slob is meant as a 
what we'd call a term a slob, if you know what I mean. Oh man, if 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 yeah, if I caught a slob of a tuna, I'd I'd be I'd be trying to imply that that's a that's a decent fish. I thought I, I when you say a slob trout, I picture bigger it's, fish. You know, it's really funny down here talking about that sort of terms because and we'll call um, a a trout that's re in really poor condition a slab. Oh yeah, but but if you said that to an American, they'd they'd a slab, really, you know, because yeah. a slab to them is a big fish. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so it's just a different term. Same, same with us. Would you, would you think a big fish if you heard that here, Vols? Someone like said a, uh, that caught a slab. You know, I thought they'd be having a twenty-four beers. You know, but yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, but yeah, yeah. it'd it, it have to be bogues, though, because no one could. Seriously, drink twenty four cascades. This is but, not the magging podcast, Volts. Come on, mate. <laughs> Volts and um, you probably don't know this, Pete, but uh, Volts and um, a uh, a keen magnet fisher. He's got a high powered magnet. He kept it next to a rope and takes it out to lakes and oh, right. you know, yeah, just um, picks up treasure. That's what you guys call it, right, Volts? That's the term. Magnet yeah. use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We call it um, booty uh, to tossing for booty. Yeah, it's yeah. what happens. Yeah. So, yeah. you got to be careful how you word that, I guess, hey? Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that terminology before. Well, that's it. You, you throw the magnet as far as you can. You toss it. Mm. And then um, and then you slowly retrieve it across the bottom. And, um, and you know, if you're lucky, it, it mags or snags, you know, something magnetically. And it brings it in. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Have you okay. Too, too much magging. Anything <laughs> valuable yet? Uh, yeah, not really. You know, nothing. Nothing. You know, promising. You know, I've seen videos in the US. So, they, you know, they bring in some old mafia guns or something like that, some uh, some Civil War weaponry. Um, but yeah, otherwise, no, I haven't haven't got much at all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but like most gamblers, the 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 big the big victory is just around the corner. So you got to keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting back, stuff. Back onto sea run fish, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Pete. <laughs> but. Yeah, I guess um, we got off the track a bit there, but I was just talking about before about the um, the events type fishing. So you can pretty much, you know, so the the, the white bait feeding fish, whether it be sea run, slob fish, or residents, um, it's great fun. So you can sight fish those. You know, that lasts you know end of August through to end of October period. Then uh, in you know in the high in the Lake Country in October you start getting uh, frog feeders which are really a lot of fun to go and target. These really aggressive fish in the, in the lake margins. Oh yeah, Pop, poppers and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh yeah, oh, just wet, just wet flies. But it's such an aggressive eat. Um, it's yeah, it's super super fun. You you spot these fish sitting in the sitting in the margins waiting for frogs. They're like cold springs ready to go. He's got a yeah, right. within a few metres of them and they just attack it. It's harder to miss them than, than hook them. They're not thinking about it much, not, not having a good look at it, really no. become opportunistic, yeah? Yeah, so definitely catch, you could catch them on poppers and pretty much anything, to be honest. Mm. Um, they just they get a bit of a bloodlust going. They're gonna, they just want to kill anything that hits the water. You just don't fall in when they're about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they can't yeah, be that big. So right? from then and then, you know, you know by, by end of October... Uh, mayflies, mayfly activities, pretty much in full swing. 
definitely on the rivers. Um, and then by December, the the, May, the the Highlands Mayfly will be going. So then right through, that goes right through to, well, basically to the end of the season, Mayfly from there. But um, then you get interspersed with terrestrial feeders, gum beetles, you know, hopper feeders on the rivers. So, yeah, we're pretty much a site fishing-based fisher and you can just follow those sort of things right through. Mm. Mate, I want to um, I want to steer the um, the 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 technique topic that we're talking about here away from that a little bit and ask you in regards to um, something that I've noticed a bit of a trend going on um, that's probably taken a little bit longer to hit New Zealand, Tasmania, and southern parts of Australia to a degree, and that is um, uh, larger streamers like you know throwing meat and things like that. Um, I, like I'll I'll tell you where this is coming from. Um, uh, I was a full-time commercial fly tire for a while, and um, and you know from about maybe 2015 started specialising, you know things like game changers and stuff like that. And I was sending heaps to the US, you know, yep. and uh, you know like people were requesting a seven-inch rainbow trout game changer to feed browns and stuff, you know. Yeah. And when I talked to some of my customers down south who might be trout fishermen who also fish for cod, you know they weren't doing that but i'm noticing it happening recently you know i'm noticing that that there's a there seems to be a real interest um from people that are staunch trout fishers um towards this this larger streamers uh and i wanted to ask you about that and 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 if you're recognizing this trend i know i mean uh, let me i know i'm drifting off on a big tangent here but that's all good um when i've spoken to these friends before and we talk about wet flies which is not a term that you that you use gr greatly when your development years would come from queensland say you know we, we just call them clouses <laughs> it's um um wet wets you know like don't seem to apply to say something like um uh, a sex dungeon or something like that you know yeah. they're like a, a a streamer was a woolly bugger or uh yeah. or you know or something like that but now you know the definition of streamer in, in modern times when you see the guys in the u.s and stuff like that and and in europe um throwing huge flies for these for these um for these very aggressive fish is that something that's uh, a, a direction that's that trout fishing is taking in in your area well we're certainly trying to steer it that way yeah. <laughs> it it um it, it pretty much you know if you talk wet flies in tasmania at the moment it's still pretty much it you know they're all variations on woolly buggers mm -hmm. um so you know Give them all sorts of names as Shreks and Magoos and goodness knows what out there. It's a lot of that based around the competition sort of scene, but you know, woolly buggers have always been there, fur flies, things like that. But mm -hmm. um, I'm not really sure where I picked it up from, but it might have been actually on a trip up um, to Australia <laughs> with, um, with the Aussie fly fisher guys. And Josh gave me a couple of the game changes to bring back and give a try. Yep. Just love the look of those flies, and we thought, well, they've got to work on trout down here. And we've got big galaxia feeders, so we tied up a bunch. And um, actually, we went out, give them a few test runs, a few waters that are open during the what's normally the off season for us, the winter period. Mm -hmm. And the fish ate these game changes. They're probably only no, no, two inch, two and a half inch game changes. Pretty small trout, but they so aggressively ate them. I think mm -hmm. the other day we caught like 30 trout on game changes. And so we set ourselves a bit of a target for the opening 
Um, another one of the Aussie fly fisher guys came down and we went out to the Western Lakes, tied up some game chains, went out to the Western Lakes, walked in to the 19 lagoons and we had a day where we caught, oh, look, it was a couple of dozen trout landed, I guess, and lots of other chances, but all on game changes was really cool. These fish are mm. so aggressive. So, you know, um, yeah, so I don't see it. There's a lot of people using it at the moment. I think there's a few guys around the place, but yep. But it, I think the more people realise how cool the eats are on these flies, they'll they'll uh, there'll be definitely more people using them for sure. And yeah, trying to generate that um, as well, you know, get the word out there because it is it is fun fishing. It's amazing how long it's taken. Like I mean, I got to I got to. I'm a full-time fly shop owner, and my whole shop has been built off game changes, and I sell right around the world. In fact, those probably some, maybe some of those flies that Josh gave me ones I tied him when I was a commercially. I tied Josh some game changes pretty early on. Used to tie him a fair bit actually yep. when I was commercially tied. Yep. That was a long time ago. That would have been maybe 2017, 16, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe 17, 18, probably. But I don't know. But um, and and like you know, I I can. It's just interesting to watch the the metrics if you like, as far as to where they go. You know, like um, um. You know, and and the areas that they've gone that that my products go have gone through that evolution, you know, of um of of uh, demanding more. Uh, maybe you should put. I'm I'm trying to wear this in a way it doesn't make it sound like I'm just you know advertising, but um yeah. um it's interesting to watch where they go. I suppose it's it's they've yeah. got they go to more older areas and stuff like that, and I don't see many going to you know those those places like you know like where you guys are or, yeah. or, or first south and stuff but i do see the interest in it you know like i see people testing their toes with it and they might be using entry level um sort of game changer stuff i guess you could say you know um but interesting results what you're saying there uh but i still you know i see it in new zealand as well like i speak to some of the guys in the in the shops over there i sell some gear to some of the guys over there and um there's guys there's a, a hardcore group of guys that are using big big flies and getting similar sort of um numbers to like what you're saying there in contrast to guys that are fishing more traditional methods for one or two fish a day you know yeah and it yep. and it, it blows me away that it doesn't get more readily accepted it seems to be which is probably leading more to my my greater point is the the culture like i was mentioning earlier like of, of fly fishing in tasmania i don't try not to group it in with new zealand but it just seems quite similar to me in the way it's moving but um that um you know, it seems to be like a pocket of the world with trout fishing that's still hanging on to that that real um it's 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 moving really slowly. So it's really um cool to hear how progressive your way of thinking is and the results you're getting and like you said, trying to get others into it. Uh it'll be it'll be kinda interesting to see the way it evolves into the yeah. future. You know, when um well, think, more specialized materials get used, I guess. Yeah. I think still down here, like if you had to rate it, it'd still be like it'd be dry fly nymph wet fly or streamer sort yep. of in those in that order um streamers probably certainly are more popular in the early season that's, that's for sure mm. but a lot of that streamer fishing tends to be that um i don't know what the word best word for it lock style or, or maybe comp style you know deep deep sinking lines a team of three flies in boats um just fishing deep so rather than targeting those fish that are aggressively eating um, big bait, whatever that might be. 
Is there a size advantage to, you know, those aggressive feeders? They're normally a large fish, uh, you know, uh, from... Um, yeah, they they well surprise. It, it's always surprised me with trout you know, over the years that how small a fish will eat a big fly. I mean, we've been out chasing, you know, using big mouse flies of a night and catching pound and a half fish on mouse flies. You know, you get an eat, you think it's going to be a massive fish, and it's pound and a half. Get quite disappointing, but but you know, back in the day down here. Um, Fish cakes. I don't know if you guys are familiar with fish cake lures. Yeah, they're the a old, scissor, aren't they? The old balsa, balsa, lump of balsa with a propeller on the front and I think probably four four trebles or something hanging off it. Were they um were they popularised in uh, when Lake Pedder first? Um... Definitely, definitely around Lake Pedder. They were really popular down there, but they were already popular before Pedder, I think. So they were put really popular night lure. Yep. And so, you know, trout were all over them. They they loved them, and probably and, and no doubt still do. I don't, you don't hear of a lot of guys going out and the old term fish caking these days, but mm. um, sure, there's probably still a few doing it around the place. Um, but yeah, so I think when the fish are eating something that big, then no doubt the bigger flies and the bigger lures catch catch fish there's, there's yeah they're not going to so shy it, away from it most times so um, it, it, it's not the sort of thing you can go all year round doing right is that what you mean not oh the, as in the game changer style well let's i mean game changers or even like like uh tandem tandem flies you know like um i don't know like some yeah. of the andreas um, anderson type things and stuff, or even kelly gallup style flies you know don't get me wrong i, I love dry fly fishing is my my favorite there's no doubt yeah um but yeah there's something about i mean if i had to pick i mean it's always a tough one picking my favorite uh event type fishing down here and i just love these um white bait feeders and the galaxia feeders the ones fish targeting bait fish it's just so mm. aggressive and yeah just seeing it seeing the action unfold in front of you is pretty cool yeah um, so there's some really yeah. good footage on your um, on your Instagram page for that for listeners too. You need to check it out. It's compulsory viewing. It's really good. Sorry. Yeah. And so yeah. Look. And the end of this, you know, it, for those bit, you you tend to find the bigger fish in the system when when that action's happening. So, mm. um, yeah, you'll catch small fish there as well, but the, it brings the big guys out. So if you're yeah, ever likely kinda... to catch, if you're ever likely to catch a big fish in those waters, that's when you're going to get them. Gotcha. I kind of regret my question there because you did. You've mentioned that word twice now in this in this podcast, and you mentioned it earlier on, and I should have uh, kept that with me as far as my question forming. And and that word is event. You know, you did say earlier you like to follow the events, and when I asked whether you could do it all year round, you know, you you the first thing you mentioned is is um you know depending on well I'm paraphrasing a bit, but depending on the events, right? Yeah. So it's um yeah it's more about it's not about. That's the funny thing about all all, fish, all fishing, fly fishing, no matter what, is it doesn't matter what we want to do, really, at the end of the day. It's all about um, adapting to what's going on for yeah. them, really, at the end of the day. It's, um, so, I mean, you could you could stubbornly go around fishing game changers, for example, all year round, but, you know, you're not going to be as productive as someone who's adapting to these events that no, are happening at the time. I, I think that's it's always the challenge. It's been the challenge in Tasmania, especially around the guiding, right, because um, most visitors coming down to Tassie, are coming down at that peak of dry fly time 
So, I mean, people talk about bell curves, and you know, the peak of the bell curve is, um, you know, summer polaroiding. If you want to go to the Western Lakes fishery or the highlands and, and polaroid fish that are eating off the surface, peak of summer is the time to come. Mm. But but down here, I mean, there's so much else to do as well. So, you know, for like I said, so for whitebait feeders in the river systems, the peak of it's uh, September, October. The If you want to catch tailing, another one I didn't mention was tailing fish, which is really cool to chase. So fish, you no know, trout, some of the lakes, shallow lakes, these fish are full tails out of the water, really visual fishing. You, they're, not, they're not easy to catch. You've got their head down looking around the bottom for scud and things like that. But... It's so visual that it's so much fun, you know. In that period, you know, October, November, on the lake in the lake country is prime for that, and again towards the end of April. Um, so, the, the the tough thing is that the bulk of people want to come down here January, February, and then what? Well, it's almost like now March, still really relatively busy, but April's dying off. It's a, what we call a shoulder season. Mm. September, October, and part of November is almost a shoulder season for us, and the people aren't coming in. But what I'm trying, I guess, what I try and show a little bit through that Insta page is that the fishing is really, really good mm. in those periods. Um, and in fact, the fish are probably easier to catch than in the peak of summer. Those tailing fish sound bloody interesting. Mate. What's a scud? Uh, a little crustacean, freshwater crustaceans. So like a, like a yabby. So no, no, a little like, amphipod, so a little shrimp type thing. Yeah, a little shrimp, yeah. Where, gotcha. where do they live? Like are they in the water column or are they in the um uh, in the in the weed and, and mud around the lake shores or all the way across the lake, I guess. The Benthic strata. If that's what it's called, yes. Hey, I I'm really I gotta faulty con, mate. You make me apologize every Faulty's what he's actually doing is flexing his intelligence there, and he and he likes to shoehorn that into most interviews, mate. And listeners will know that if you've got the intermediate line bingo card going, just take off, tick off Benthic Strata now. Yeah, that, uh, it's been done. Bingo, We've done. We've yeah, done. yeah, exactly. Benthic Strata. <laughs> Jeez, that brings back memories from my uh, working in industry days and meetings. Benthic the Strata. Old, yeah, the old no bullshit bingo. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just injecting some uh, some, <laughs> some fun in this. Hey, um, there's, I'll give you the tip. There'll be I'll steer the direction in, into one of my favourite topics coming up, but um, I'll let you call me out when I do it, okay? Dentition? No oh, come on, Chris. Oh, sorry, man. I, I instantly regretted saying that as soon as I did. I no. knew it was going to be a big lead up and we were going to be all happy when it happened. Sorry, mate. No. Just put down inside. I'll let it out. I promise. <laughs> I promise I'll let it out. Pretend like I didn't say it. No, no, it's cool. It's all right. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's just little games we play, you know. It's all good. Um, yeah. We're very immature. So so the scud's an amphipod and, and they're um they're in the water column and the and the trout fill up on them. Um they're sort of like probably similar to water fleas like Daphnia, but they're a different shape, right? Uh no, they're quite a bit bigger than water fleas. They're um so Yeah. So one of the more famous places for tailing fish on the plateau is Little Pine Lagoon. So Little Pine Lagoon, you guys, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's probably, yeah, rated as their number one fly fishing water in the state. Really? Uh, quite a small water, packed with brown trout, really nice-sized browns. Um, yeah, average around that three-pound mark, I guess. 
and really strong fish because they, they have a big diet of uh, scud and yeah, so or, or yeah, regard as a really good eating fish too. If you're in that mind to keep a few, so oh, much in that water that um, yeah, they're bright bright orange in the flesh. Those fish out of there. So is there it's anyone does that? Yeah, so they're they're prime eating fish out of that lake. Mm. There's so many fish in it, it doesn't hurt the population being turned over a little bit to be honest. What's the uh, what's the what's the attitude to on eating them down there? Ah, pretty casual, I think. Um, we we tend to promote catch and release, but certainly not. Uh, we don't uh, be, try to be overbearing on that. It's I think it's a there's a there's places that you don't want to be killing fish, um, but there's some waters they're just the trout population's that big that I think we're better off to take a few out to keep the more food for the rest of them if you know what I mean. Mm. Keep that average size up. So. Yeah, but Little Pine Lagoon for the t for the tailors is, uh, yeah, that's pretty specky when it's on. Do you need us to bleep that out? What's that? The Little, Little Pine, Pine Lagoon? Lagoon? No. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there's too many people don't know about Little Pine Lagoon. That's all right, mate. It could, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could, there could be secret, some secret spots. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to you could be making the Americans happy. <laughs> What's that? I don't, I don't ever fish it, so I can mention it. No. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, mate. No worries. <laughs> I just couldn't think of some happy Americans who must think that spot's really good after this podcast with the amount of people there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, one the more, it's one of the more popular waters. It's pretty easy. I mean, it's road right, right beside it, boat ramps and whatnot. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it does sound pretty epic, mate. That's for sure. I think, um, you know, sight fishing is the is the pinnacle of fly fishing, no matter what the species. It really is, you know. There's um, some pretty rubbish species that are pretty fun uh, yeah. to sight fish, you know, like carp, for example. Even rainbow trout. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can almost just, I could get a tingle of controversy right there when you said that, Pete. Now, tell us what's, uh, what's is that, is that, is the rainbow trout like a lesser grade trout to brown trout in Tasmania? Oh, look, I think um, Tasmania sort of prides itself on being the, the the wild brown trout yep. capital. So, um, no, the rainbows are vermin. Teddy, I think, probably claims to have probably the, one of the wildest strains or purest strains of brown trout left on the planet. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they've been here for over 150 years with no, with no stocking. Mm -hmm. So most of our water's... The vast majority of our waters in the state are, are self-supporting, so there's no stocking. The fish yep. are, you know, it's been self-supporting for over that 150 years. So, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of fishermen in Tassie um, look down on stockies, what we call stockies. Mm -hmm. So stockies are, and their stockies are usually rainbows. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. They're like they're like. There's, wild, there's definitely some wild rainbow fisheries in Tassie, and. They're pretty. They're really cool. Yep. But it's all sort of an in joke, actually. I understand about the rainbows. You might yeah. need to leave that bit out. You get me in more trouble. You got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure I can water it down and just say that you know rainbows are, are the equivalent of mac tuna for us, and browns are the equivalent of longtail tuna. That'd be fair, Volts. You think? Uh, yeah, I think there's some some parallels there. They would definitely shine through. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so I think that crosses the world over too. You know, a lot of people, um, uh, you know, hold the 
hold a, a Brown in higher esteem in, in a lot of situations. Um, Brown's, for whatever reason, Browns are always seen, treated as being a, a tougher fish to catch. Mm-hmm. And Rainbow's been a bit silly. I mean, I've once again, we've run into rainbows. You run into rainbows down here sometimes. And those wild fisheries, that, I mean, they're way harder to catch than some of the browns. Mm. So, I mean, it doesn't always bear true, that that thought. But, you know, so mm. it's just just that general feeling. But Yeah. Mate, uh, I'm going to change direction a little here. Um, we mentioned it uh, at the beginning of the show when we asked you to talk about your page, your Instagram page or your social media page as – we only talk about Instagram. Have you got a Facebook page as well? Yeah, so same thing, Merseyfly. Gotcha. Uh, and and I wanted to talk about and ask you about your uh, photography, yeah, because it's um, it's incredible, mate. And it's uh, and I don't think there's any other word that can, I can really expand on further than that. It's 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 impressive, mate, for sure. Well, I just did, but you know, I'm going. Thanks, mate. That's much appreciated. I think. Um, yeah, look, I, it's something that I've built up over, oh, gee, don't know how long I've been seriously into photography now. Um, but I used to use the old, um, gee, I remember taking photos back way back when it was the old uh, film mm-hmm. and you had to, have to get it developed and, geez, lucky it's not let now. I think I aver- can average about, well, some days it's over a 1,000 photos a day. So wow. I'd, hate to know, I'd hate to know what that... My photography um, method is spray and pray. Yeah, so, pixels um, are free. <laughs> so yeah, so look, it was a, a long time ago. Now a friend that was right into photography as well. He had a a Canon DSLR that um, he was upgrading from, and he offered it to me at a very cheap price, which I grabbed hold of, and I sort of my phot- photography took off from then, mm-hmm. and. The one thing I found straight away was as soon as you go out on the streams or the lakes or wherever you're at, wherever you're at with a knife to look for photos, you start seeing more. So there's things on the streams that I actually started noticing that I think, has this just happened or has this been happening all the time, if you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yep. So some of the, it'd be the hatches and things like that. So photography in itself was so much better for my fishing as well. Well. Wow. Mm. So... Um, it, it just makes you take more notice. I think it can be it can be detrimental to your fishing because you tend to um, probably sometimes I'll just sit there and wait for that moment. It's really hard sometimes when I'm guiding. To be honest, that you see a, a trout that's leaping at mayfly, or whether it be coming up and rising, and you just think, well, what a great shot that would be with the camera. But mm. because you're out guiding, the priority is to get your guests onto a fish. So I've got to sort of quell that feeling a bit. But I don't think it would be great if I said, no, no, don't cast, don't cast, I need to take a photo. But, mm, yeah. But, but yeah, it's something that I've re- I really enjoy and I'll sit out there. Some days I'll go out. When I've actually got days spare, I'll go out and just with a camera without a rod to take away that um, that feeling that I have to cast at a fish. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, those I- white bait feeders, I mean, you talk about I think that, if people have a look, they'll see the videos of these uh, fish crashing bait, you know, beaching themselves on the banks almost and right in front of me. And I'll sit there on that action sometimes for hours, to be honest. But at the end of all that, 
even though I've got a rod in my hand, I'll walk away from those fish. I won't I won't fish to them. They almost feel like they're pets. Well, you've oh, caught them, haven't you, really, at the yeah, end of the day? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, ne the next fish up the stream might not be so lucky. Yeah. I've caught the so, camera away or I've run out of memory card or something like that, but... Well, I, yeah. I mean, I've, I, what I mean, I guess it's... Uh, to me, like, I often sometimes ponder the, the, um, the reason for fishing, you know, as we probably all do. And to me, like a, um, a quite a bit of the fascination is pulling something out of the water that's, that that is living in the water and having a good look at it, and then, you know, the satisfaction of letting it go. Um, you know, I'd imagine there's a there's a quite a similar similar fa uh, thought process to getting such a great shot like that. Like, oh, that's why when I rudely spoke over the top of you, then when I said you've already caught it, you know, when you, when you know you you mentioned that you don't fish for those fish that are pushing those galaxies up on the up on the bank. But you have, you know, I mean, like you've caught footage that you've, you've, you've captured a moment that's so rare for people to get, you know, through commitment, the same sort of commitment to, to know it. You mean, you, you're going to yeah. have to know it's going to happen. Then you're going to have to commit the time to, to be there for when it happens. Like you just mentioned, you've been, you might be there a couple of hours for just that one shot or yeah. that, that 30 seconds of video, you know, but once you've got that, that must be incredibly satisfying, you know, and, and I guess on the flip side, just like fishing, there might be donuts like that as well. Like that, that a situation you're yep. forecasting might happen, may not, may not happen, right? No, there's quite, quite often you'll go with a with a an intended. I mean, I, I, once again, when around my photography, I guess I also learned a lot from looking at other people's styles, and mm -hmm. I, without, I, I mean, I. I I've never tried to copy anyone else's style, but I've I've looked at the way they've taken a photo. I'd be always I'm always interested to see how they've done it. Mm -hmm. And so you go out there and think, okay, I'm going to go and try and see if I can get that similar sort of shot. So you go out there with a the thing in mind, but um, quite often you you'd be steered off in another direction if you know what I mean. You know, mm -hmm. on a day on the water, it, there's always something pops up. You know, we. I mean, it can be simple little things like platyp say platypus down here. It's so common in our systems. So you know, um, I had a had, had a bit had a laugh recently with a guy. I heard him saying he wanted people to report platypus sightings. Ring in. I'm thinking, gee, you'd be just constantly on the phone down here. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of them. Hey, and but Peter, yeah, I mean, um, just, they're interesting uh, targets to try and um, capture on capture on film as well. Yeah, I've, I've I can see on your web page on your sorry on your um on the Merseyfly Instagram page there's some great some great footage and stills of um of platypus. What do you call them? What what what's the multiple of platypus? I don't know. Jeff would tell us, wouldn't he? <laughs> it's platypuses. Platypus, platypuses, platycats, platycats. <laughs> but there's there's lots of them anyway. There's some really good <laughs> stuff there. They're almost in plague <laughs> proportions, Danny. Yeah. Do you get those massive crayfish down there? Yeah, so we get the giant freshwater crays. Um, they're really cool when you come across one of them. I mean, um, so they're pretty secretive, big guy. I mean, they grow to some pretty huge sizes. They, I mean, reported up to around that five kilo mark in weight, which is huge. But a big one these days would still be around that you know, two kilo mark. Wow. They're a pretty big animal. Um, totally, totally protected these days, which is great because um, they were fished, pretty heavily fished. Yeah. yeah. Uh, were you, were you um, have you been around in the water? I don't, when did they become protected? Let me put it that way. Uh, look, I can't remember the exact time. It's been certainly over 
certainly well over a decade, probably maybe 20 years now, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So there would have been times with a kid when you were with a meat and a piece of string for him. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. We've certainly caught our share of them. Yep. Sad to say. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, back in those, I guess we did, didn't think about those days. It was just something that, that you did. Big yeah. crayfish, you bring it home. Yeah. But, yeah. There's, wow. a, there's a blue one in Queensland that used to be, used to be, I see a lot more prevalent. I mean, I know that's, um, I, there's there's some places down in, in, near my place that um, you'd see them occasionally, but you know I don't think people don't see them at all anymore. They're they're in, they're protected too, but I think that one went too late. So you can understand why. I mean, you can respect and 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 luckily yeah. that we've got people that look after them like that. I guess you know. Yeah. So we, yeah, I mean I've caught those ones too. You know, they're spiny, they're spiny blue craze. Yeah. I can't remember what they're really called, but yeah. I mean we've got. There's still some issues around, you know, habitat loss and things like that for those guys. So, mm. um, but I think there's, there's they're hanging on, which is great. And you, you know, anecdotally, I guess I think you're probably seeing more around these days than you know probably a decade ago. So they seem to be making a little bit of a resurgence. Oh, that's great. Around our streams. So, yeah. so what did um what did it look like in the early days with um when you were getting into um, photography, mate? This um this camera you're talking about with the film was it? One of the waterproof disposal ones you get from the chemist? Yeah, yeah, just yep. I can't. <laughs> I, I can still picture it. I don't know which, what it was called, but I can picture it. And yeah, so and it was just always it, the old dead fish on the bank shot. Yeah, there's only so many ways you can pose that, but it, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it progressed a fair bit from there, and um, yeah, so like. Basically now my aim is with photography is uh, to tell a story with a photo. So yeah. that's tell a story of the day or whatever. So um, sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it fails. But uh, Mate, I got the latest fly life um, and that you've got an article in there. It's incredible. Um, it's about specifically about early fee, uh, early season. And there's the, the picture um, under the title is, is a um, – uh, well, I don't want to spoil too much, but it, it is a um, is one of those trout beaching, almost beaching itself to get white bait um, off the off the bank. It's an incredible shot, and it's called White Bait Feeders. Is the name of the um, the article. It's just a stunning photo. You can see this trout. It's got it's sort of pushed up on the on the um, on the grassy bank. You can see a couple of white bait in mid air inside its mouth, about to get the bad news. And um, there's a few lucky ones just to the side of it that missed it, but yeah. mate, it's it's, it's literally a, it's an incredible photo. It's Nas- National Geographic standard, mate. It's really well done. Well, no, yeah, um, it's um, we yeah. um, <laughs> it's funny. Like, there's some little if you look back through there too, you see some <laughs> bit of video on that same that same fish. Um, he was pretty obliging for the camera. That guy, he uh, he was only like a Oh, he's probably about a metre away from me doing that. I was sitting down on the bank and he just kept coming in. So it was a pretty incredible. I mean, that's a couple of little sessions down through there. We had, it was amazing actually. Ico, you really struggled to even believe some of the stuff that was happening in front of us. And there was a big heap of, there's a heap of fish there just hitting white bait. You didn't know where to look. There was even a platypus coming through feeding on white bait with a trout lying up up beside it. We got a little bit of video of that. And so the 
platypus moves, spooks the trout. Just uh, yeah, it was just it was, everything was happening and uh, really really cool bit of action. So what are you doing to so, get that shot, mate? Are you laying on your belly in camo or anything like that? No, not so much in camo. Well, as much camo as what you do with your normal fishing, fishing. Yeah. outfit, but um, not so much. I mean, it's those trout are pretty approachable um, if you, as long as you don't make too quick movements. So you can get get in pretty close. Mm. Um, quite often, it's funny though with a group of guys i fish with a lot we quite often i'll have a photo in mind that i want to get and sometimes that fishing action photo so but it's quite often i'll actually because i'm trying to get in so close with the camera i'll end up spooking the fish so they, these guys yeah they might get their mugs in magazines whatnot but they also get a lot of fish spooked on them mm-hmm. they that put up with that tons of photo. <laughs> yeah. i um I recently had, oh, not uh, maybe a couple of months ago, lunch with um, a couple of your clients. Volts knows them too. They, I think Volts caught up with them on their way up too. Chris, he- Chris Heath and his Mrs. Claire. Yeah. And um, and uh, your name came up, and I, I think I mentioned like, mate, fantastic photos. And then uh, we were talking about that, and they said you um, you actually you actually risk a fair bit carrying that um that that frame around on your hip. And they said it's uh, most often than not, it's a, it's an inch or two away from the water the whole time, right? No, I don't know. I don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> they told me stories of, of you wading through the water and yeah. watching this this camera, you know, this high-end <laughs> camera, just literally millimetres away from taking a bath, you know. And, um, yeah, like they said, you're just looking straight ahead. You're not caring at all about that sort of stuff. So, which is, I guess, you know, like if, if you, you listen if you have... to this, hey, Josh, if you listen to this, that's not true, right? Anyway, but the, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so, um, no, nah, look... My view on the camera and carrying it the way I do, um, it's a it's a calculated risk, I guess. Well, one thing I find if the cameras are locked away in bags, in packs, don't mm-hmm. get used. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you miss the shot. So, yeah, I've dunked a, I've dunked a few cameras. There's no doubt. I've oh, dunked, really? yeah. dunked a few lenses, and most of them have recovered. Believe it or not, fresh water. Um, I think I I killed a lens. Um, that's about it. The cameras have still worked after drying them out. A couple of them I'd counted out, but um, they still come back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Funny you should say that. Vols, do you remember when we had Dave Anderson on? He told us a story about how he had a camera completely saturated from a rainstorm. Said yep. It, did it still work? No problem. For a long time after that. They seem to be pretty pretty durable. What, what, uh, what setup have you got, mate? Uh, currently running the... A Canon mirrorless uh, the R5. Yep. And so the the lens, uh, I've got a 28 to 70, fits to the fishing type shots, mm-hmm. and a 100 to 500 for more the, the more the the long lens sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's a pretty it covers pretty much all scenarios. Um, so you're I mean, not, are, you, are you getting around with that 100 to 500 on on your hip? Surely not, right? Yeah. You are. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I look. It's not quite as Chris and Claire say it is. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But <laughs> there was a few we had, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So if you flick through, you actually talking about Chris and Claire. You flick through the fly life, you'll see their mugs in there as well. Oh yeah, okay, yep. On the Yazi fly fisher ad. 
Cool. Uh, so yeah, um, yes. It. I mean, you just got to. I think you just got to use. They've got to be there to be used. I, I'll risk it. I'll risk it. But what's so. the um? What's the most energy and time you put into uh, a shot? Oh, look, it's usually the tougher ones to get. I find are those ones trying to capture the trout feeding on mayfly in midair, catching in midair. Yeah. So I wa I've wasted quite a few days up on the plateau um, just sacrificing fishing just to try and get some shots of trout doing that mm. when the light's good. So, I mean, it doesn't always pay off. It's always so fun you, trying. But that's those yeah. donuts we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if you ever get donuts on them, but you just—I mean, when you've taken photos, you're never happy with your photos. So, yeah. um, I don't think I've ever still got, haven't got that perfect shot yet. The one that I imagine is the perfect shot. Um, mm. But uh, there's always something that's not quite right in the photo. But uh, yeah, like Chris, Chris Heath, you mean? Saying <laughs> 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 he's not very aesthetic. Uh, no, no. He's not an aesthetic person. Is that what you said, Voss? <laughs> no, Chris did really well. <laughs> He's all right for a plumber, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty interesting, mate. I mean, yeah. I mean, would you – I guess, you know, like uh, the results from fishing are quite um, – universal i suppose you catch a fish you hold a fish up and and that's the success of fishing you know you put it back hmm. the um the success from photographs is is a little bit more nuancy i suppose i mean like you just said there you know you you've got these shots but you you know you might not be truly happy with them but you know that's a little bit eye in the beholder too you know like it might be a shot that you know volti might be like um you know raving to his other mag fishing mates about you know but um but yeah. you not might not like it so i mean is your is your standard you know, always, always ahead of, of your. Um, I, I wouldn't say your standards ahead of your. I was about to say your standards ahead of your ability in your mind. Do you think or? Um, oh, but, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think I'm, I'm. I'm still trying to catch up to the camera. To be honest, so yeah. those cameras are capable of so much more than what I can get out of it. But um, yeah, it it's really interesting. I guess I find around the social media scene because it's a good testing ground for photos in some regards. You throw a photo up and you get people raving about a photo that that's you think, well, what are they seeing in that compared to, you know, you put a couple up, two or three, and there'll be one photo out of the three that gets the most traction. And you think that's probably the worst, to, to me, is the worst photo out of the three. Oh, that social media is funny place like that though isn't it i guess yeah and, and yeah that's right and it's all different things around algorithms i guess and how how what what people see what but yeah um but yeah it's, it's interesting i mean it's always amazed me you know i've had people look at photos actually physically looking at photos as well and say say to me you know wow that's great and then the one that you think they're gonna love yeah okay hmm. so um <laughs> so yeah, it's one of those things I remember one. Probably guys probably get a laugh out of it. It's one you may have seen. It's a long time ago now. I put it up, but I was ta you taking all these great photos of platypus and bird life and the you know, trout and all this sort of stuff, and you bring it home and show it to my kids. And 
they're all ho-hum about it, you know, just a photo. But then I took a little video there one day I was fishing, set the camera up on the bank and managed to catch the line on back cast in a tree just above the camera on the river bank. And I walked back, I was trying to unhook it, still recording, and fell in. Oh, and yes. I, and I recorded all that. And uh, that was the best thing they'd ever seen, you know. So, <laughs> You know, so <laughs> all these photos I take, that's the one. You know, so <laughs> I just fall out of shot. It's an oldie but a goodie. I still get a laugh at it when I watch it myself, to be honest. <laughs> do you um do you take a, a a bit of a gauge? I mean, everyone does, I suppose, to uh to what people think. It sounds like you do by what you just said there. Um, but how much is it? Um, so what I'm looking for here. Um. How much does it impact your approach? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you're not losing sleep if someone doesn't like your photo, but I mean, are you are you are you designing like um, chasing these photos based on? Uh, um, no, I think you'd say based on what people want. No, well, probably not. Probably not. I, I I tend to pretty much take what I like. So, yep, and I've tended to follow that same style. I mean, if you look at them right through, that it's evolved quite a bit. The style that I like. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I still go out to take my own stuff. Not not so much. I mean, not so much for social media likes and whatnot. It's just something you know I enjoy doing. I don't. I mean, I take lots of photos, but I still have, don't have that many photos printed out at home. I should mm -hmm. have. There's quite a few there. Because once again, it's that I'm, I'm never happy with the photo. So. Um, well. You know, it's so it's one. I still haven't taken that perfect photo. So I think that's a good approach in any field, really, to be restless in that in that respect. You know, like because that's what it sounds like you you are there, as in like um, just always on the search for for doing better. The yeah. restlessness, you know, it's um, it's definitely a good approach. I only just started like through this whole interview, started flicking through your Instagram. I mean, I, I'm obviously familiar. I follow you, you know, and um, and I'm familiar with your photos, but. You know, going through a deep dive and seeing some shots that I haven't, I can't remember. You know, some of the, um, some of the like the the the, the terrestrial animals, like the snakes and the, and the birds. You got a great shot there that's quite you know apt for right now, I suppose, with a magpie that's diving right at you. <laughs> yeah. Did you survive? Are you all right for that? Or? Uh, it's funny that one. There was it was. Uh, it's hard to keep the camera on him. To be honest. Oh, he, hey, he, he looks lo angry. He loomed large in the viewfinder. I actually, I actually had to uh, take it off him, but. It's funny down Tassie that the magpies don't tend to sweep much down here. Oh, God, you're so, lucky. Yeah. So that was a little bit odd one out of the box, that guy, and he, I thought, oh, well, I'll get a photo of you doing that. So I actually, I was actually laying down on the ground when he did that. <laughs> it's it's a great shot. He's it, he's just staring straight through, like, the person looking at the photo, you know. It just, yeah. it, it's he's awesome. at me. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, it was interesting too, I guess, to touch on the other stuff with around the Photography. One of the other things I really love, see, around fishing photography, the old grip and grins still the, the um, probably the most common photo mm -hmm. with with fishing, and I still I love that uh, fishing action photo. So, you know, whether the fish jumping on the line or whatever it might be, yeah, putting the fish between you and the angler sort of thing. Yeah, whether or casting to the fish. Yep. Um, so that that sort of stuff is what I really like, aside from the grip and grin. I mean, we try and change it up a bit with grip and grins, yeah. As well, but you know, don't tend to go too much with the old rod rod in the teeth and 
pushing the fish out to the camera shot, which yeah. some, some people tend to like at one stage. But, um, yeah, so it, around the guiding, I really try – one of the things I really aim for on a guiding day is getting a photo for people that they that they can put on the wall. Mm. You know, that – so whether – and I think those action sort of photos rather than the old grip and grin is that sort of photo. Yeah. Um, so I really try try my best. It's really hard initially because quite often trout especially, they trout don't fight that hard, to be honest. They they, they have a bit of a dip, dip first up when you hook them, but other than that, they, they're pretty lazy. So if you're going to get a jump shot, you've got to get it early. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really hard when you're guiding, especially it's early in the day, and having not many fish have come to hand, is to try and get in position. You're almost risking them losing the fish to get the photo. Mm. So tend to tend to try and get a few fish in hand before we do that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's a big aim for me. Though. I really love that sort of photo, and I think you guys, from the feedback I get from my from my guests, is that they love them as well. Oh, that'd be they, awesome. When they get their list of photos at the end of the day. Yeah, that would be a good plus, wouldn't it, to have um, someone who can take such good photos to, to memorise the trip or just to capture the trip, you know, um, and not only, you know, to have the eye to, to not only capture the, you know, when you catch a fish, which is great, but, you know, as as um, as a travelling angler, you, you notice all these things that are foreign to you when, you, you know, you might not be, you know, it might not be your local area. Um yeah, to, to have all that stuff. I mean, do you do all that sort of stuff as well? Like if you see like a snake or something like that around the day that might, you know, someone might be from a different part of Australia or the world, yep. you know, do you include that in their, their portfolio? Oh, yeah, or, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we take, you know, whether any sort of – a lot of people will say, can you throw that one in, the photo as well? I'll definitely hmm. add any photos in there, you know. So it's all part of the experience. You try and immerse yourself in that sort of experience and you – the. Snakes are really interesting down here because a lot of people get a bit frightened of the snakes, but they don't need to be, except for around. I did, do have a little laugh that the only snakes that are aggressive in Tasmania are in my favourite fishing spots, so stay away from them. But, the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, but yeah, they, they tend to be not aggressive. I mean, so you can get pretty close to them, give them a bit of space, don't try and pick them up or anything like that. But, um, yeah, they... They make pretty cool. I actually love taking snake. The snake photography is one of my favourites. But um, what do you what do you got down there? Mainly tigers. Uh, tigers, copperheads, and uh, white-lipped snakes, uh, which are whip snakes. So they're only, they're like overgrown earthworms. The whip snakes. So all our snakes are venomous down here. So, um, but they're not aggressive. So pretty high toxicity, but lack of aggression. So yeah, sure. Um, they're not going to attack, t- attack you like well, I think eastern browns or inland taipans or something, whatever. They're pretty keen to get out of your way too. They just they just move fast. Those yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you hear more stories about people being being chased or whatever by them, but yeah, I mean, you might have a tiger every now and again down here, a bit of a bark at you, but he, I mean, it's usually because you're invading their space. Yeah. I was about to say, like it's um, I would take the more men- more of the mentality. I'd rather a snake move. Like you get red bellies, they just they don't move, you know. Yeah. Like you get, they'll let you stand on them. It's um, I would, that's what it looks like. Those um, tigers do down there too. Like I was going to ask you, have you had any um, close calls? But it sounds like that's not that's not something that you've come across, yeah. Oh, look, you always. I mean, you're out amongst them all the time. So mm. I mean, there's close calls. I mean, they're also. Uh, they're pretty 
short fang. So if you're wearing waders, the, the snakes won't better bite you through the waders. Mm. So um, you always take care not to get bitten, of course. Um, mm. But, yeah, when you're out amongst them, you just got to be aware. That's all. Um, yeah. So but That's true. The fangs are only usually around three mil, eh, really? Yeah, they're only, they're only super, super short. Um, yeah. But, um, and that most snakes, I mean, I, I wouldn't test this one out either, but um, most larger snakes dry bite. Yeah. So even if you get bitten, you're probably not going to get envenomated. And, but you always take precautions, of course. Absolutely. You'd always treat a bite like it's, yeah, it's, it's a full noise bite for sure. Yeah, that's right. So we always, yeah. we, I mean, we always carry snake snake bite kits in our gear. So, um, yeah, but you take, just take the precautions. There's nothing, certainly not to be, nothing to be worried about snakes. I mean, I hear of people that won't, don't want to fish Tassie in summer because there's too many snakes and well, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> just not true. Do, do you wear waders in summer? Uh, I tend to wet wade. Um, yep. mostly in the summer i mean if you're going to be in a lake so if you're doing one of the lakes where you're going to be out in the water for most of the day you'd wear waders because mm -hmm. they're still quite cold but you know just for pure walking if you're doing western lakes walks where you might be you know some sometimes you might be walking 25 30 k's in a day mm. waders are, are not really the recommended gear for that yeah so you tend to just wear the thermals and sh good good pair of boots yeah. In gaiters. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Precautions. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of our rivers still run pretty cold in the in the summer as well, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll usually be wet waiting by mid December, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, using my wade, using my waders are worn out by then anyway, so I'm wet waiting anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. They never dry from basically from the start of August. They don't dry out till till the end of April. Yeah, man, I've I've done a real faux pas here as a podcaster. I've I've got mesmerised to your page. I sh I'm going to have to turn it off. That's yeah. real. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting there going. I'm listening to everything you're saying, but I'm being a real good host by going. Yeah, yeah. As I'm scrolling. <laughs> funny I, I was doing the same thing I, I got i got lost on um there's a really good looking brook trout there mate mm. tell us about those um so brookies are pretty rare in tassie um especially wild brookies um yep. so there's pretty only one lake in tassie that holds a stock of wild brook trout which is clarence lagoon on the <laughs> southern end of the plateau um, Central Plateau, and yeah, there's some pretty big brookies in there. Um, they can be a bit tough to work out at times. They're either on or they're not. So you go in there and catch quite a few, or you blank. There's no, you know, you get one or two days. They're either on or they're not. Um, mostly they're not. So, right. um, yeah. So I think I haven't been in there a huge amount of times, but. The only fish I've caught, I think, three brookies out of there, and I caught them all in the one day. So yeah. um, that was that guy there who was that, the big guy in the photo. If you're looking at the same photo, I'm thinking you are. Um, he's, I think he was just short of five in that mark, five pounds. But absolute 
cracking looking fish. He's, he was amazing fish, that one. He was t really hard to hold for a photo. <laughs> he's just it's the shape of him, yeah. He's like a football. Yeah. But a um, couple, couple of big small yeah, yeah, no, he's a really nice, really nice fish and was a bit of a highlight. You guys in with that day. We I think there's a bit of video of that the moment when he was hooked and netted and actually hope the video never sees the light of day because we carried on a fair bit, that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's the one that's the one. There's a few brook trout lakes on the west coast of Tassie. Um the Handy Anthony system has some lakes with brookies in there. They're pretty well maintained by stocking, but there is some bro big brookies in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is, anecdotally, there's reports of brookies up to, you know, close to 10 pounds being taken out of those lakes. Wow. So, you know, and if you look at that on a on a global basis, that's 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 huge. I mean, most brookies are quite tiny fish in the wild. Yep. So... Um, yeah, certainly, certainly a chance of catching a big brookie in Tassie. Um, it's certainly, I mean, you probably wouldn't make that your your main focus of coming down here, but certainly a bit of a sideline. Yeah, there's a chance of doing it. Yep. Yeah, it sounds great, mate. Hey, look, um, look, Pete, we've um, we've we've um, we've been been chatting for a while now, mate. I, I think it'd be a good time to sort of. Um, turn this one in, but if someone wants to fish with you, how would they um, go about that? Yeah, so like I said earlier, I'm working with Aussie Fly Fisher. Mm -hmm. So I'm their Tasmanian-based guide. So anyone that wants to come down, which the more people the better, yep. come down for a fish, uh, just make a booking through the Aussie Fly Fisher site to follow the Tasmania links. And at the, right at the moment, if you book with Aussie Fly Fisher Tasmania, you'll be fish, you'll be fishing with me. Got nice. a guy down here, so <laughs> yeah, nice, um, awesome. So that's you know, so we're it's rel relatively new down here for us. So we're uh, basically uh, building the business, and yeah, it's it's been a good, great start. We're it's going well. You know, bit COVID hit last year, but yeah, yeah. But um, this year's shaping up pretty good. Just want just got to try and get some more people down in this early season to catch a few fish. Yeah, look, Pete. I think uh, I think if anyone's listening to this and is considering fishing Tasmania, and wants to know, you know, I, I really think you should. Your, your social media pages are, are such a great ad for the service that you'd provide. You you would provide um, obviously to fish with you, you know. So anyone who's interested in that, go over and check out Merseyfly uh, on mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram, and um, and get on and and and, um, uh, uh, and then obviously. Contact Josh at Aussie Fly Fisher for um for the for the booking route, uh. But yeah, mate. Um, I really appreciate your time, mate. I mean, we've we've been trying to make this happen for a little while and corner it down, and I'm really glad we had at the end of the day, mate. Because um, I think what you're doing in Tasmania is um is world class, mate, and very unique. Uh, yeah. well, portrayed very uniquely, anyway. At least you know that's for sure. I know there's a lot of people fish down there, but yeah. Mm. Yep. No, thanks, guys. Yeah, it looks great. No worries. Mm. All right, mate. Do you want to say anything, Volts? I want to thank uh, Peter for coming on and for putting up with us. Thanks, Pete. No worries. <laughs> wasn't too no, much. Of a, wasn't too much of a chore. I apologise <laughs> for the benthic strata too, Pete. Benthic yeah, I have to remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that'll win a win a few points with my fishing buddies. Yeah, well, <laughs> nice, it'll win nice, a few arguments. Nice. 
anyway. A lot of people hear that word and pretend like they know what it is and don't continue the conversation. It's it's yeah. good for me. I li- I win misses uh, arguments against the misses with it too. You know, if it wasn't for the Benthic strata, this wouldn't happen. And then I I don't uh, we just move on with our lives. I know. Right. Yeah. I pull that one out all the time, you know. I'll um, I'll be certainly be using it on the Shores Little Pine Lagoon from now on. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, let's get out of here. All right, guys. Thank you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sinking Line, the uh, Intermediate Line Outro Podcast Special. And tonight is special. <laughs> I'm here with my co-host, Vaults. Again, mm-hmm. no surprises. Here you are. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Yeah. Well, look, I think the real star of that show was Peter, their Merseyfly. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend so to well. agree. I mean, he um, he uh, he showcased his fishery really well, um, uh, and he um, uh, he put up with our shit. Um, mm. He put up with it really well. I, I think you know, as well as knowing his waters intimately, and, and you know, clearly he's a fishy dude. Um, you know, like you, I was sort of blown away by the, the quality and quantity of his photography. You know, like a in my mind the. The hallmark of a good photographer is, you know, how well they tell a story or how much they inspire the desire to go to a location and experience, you know, whatever that, whatever that, um, the essence of that photograph is and how it speaks to you. Sorry, I just had visions of Zoolander there with his essence of wetness. (laughs) (laughs) Merman, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) And, And Pete. Pete was great. He didn't take the bait on the platypuses or platypussies or platypies or, or whatever, you know. Man, um, I've known you for such a long time. I have no idea when you're dicking around there. I honestly thought you were struggling to find the right word for the adjective, uh, the plural of, of that creature. I actually don't know it, but it's always a fun conversation, you know. You I'm going to Google it. Yeah, what is it, Warren? I'm going to, I'm going to Google This is going to definitively answer the question. And um, I'm just waiting for the Google eyes to work. I hope it's Ready? Not something left. Tell me, them. Google, what is? No, it doesn't work that way. What is the collective of platypus? Collective? Yeah, he will like that word. Um, I bet you it's something left field. You know, like you got a murder of crows or something like that. You know, what is it for platypus? You've got a ploy of platypus. <laughs> oh, it is. It is left field. Is it? What is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't want to take a guess at it? I'll only give you one because it won't waste time. Nah, give me give me a rough clue. Let's see if we can work something here. All right. Um, think of its tail. Fuck. Um, a beaver? Has it got a beaver tail? Yeah, I guess you could say that. But uh, your time's up. It's a paddle of platypus. A paddle? Mm. Wow. Yep. Would never have guessed. 
There you go. That's because well, it's so stupid that no one would guess it. Oh, that's gonna. Well, that's one we can put in the in the files for you know campfire stories or yeah, you know round table stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, do you know uh, you know what a faux pas is? Yeah, yeah. It's French for fuck up, and um, <laughs> and. <laughs> 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 there were two. It's not really that, two, right? Two, two resounding faux pas were <laughs> someone. Yeah. Someone crashed my dentition joke. Thanks, dude. Oh, and, sorry, uh, man. <laughs> I did a faux pas in the intro too. I, I look. I'm going to admit it on air in front of everyone. My name is Chris, and I can't talk quickly about game changers. <laughs> 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 I'm working on it. I've got a support staff working around the clock. <laughs> you need and that could be the quickest I've ever spoken about him right there. <laughs> Treatment's working. <laughs> yeah. What was the other faux pas, man? No, that was it. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you felt comfortable enough to um, nearly bring it up with me. Yeah. Look, look, it's it's pointless to me bringing it up if you're already aware of it, you know. But um, mm. it, it look the the depth of knowledge um, <laughs> and the, the passion that you have for for the hydrodynamics of uh, of of those flies is um, is admirable. And um, although it's a source of much mirth, um, you know, people could do a lot worse than take advantage of that. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the first step is admitting you've got a problem, right? <laughs> Not someone else telling you. So thanks, mate. Yeah, it's all right, mate. It's yeah. all right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for being blunt, but there you have it. Yeah. It's all right. I appreciate yeah. your, your benthic bluntness. <laughs> benthic bluntness. Anyway, Pete, um, if you've listened this far, mate, thanks for coming on. It, um, Yeah, it was one we've been desperate to have for a while. Um and, you know, finally the stars aligned. Uh, you know, we've had a few guys from Tassie on and I've always wanted to to go down and um, they've inspired me to, you know, to want to go down there and, and visit and have a fish. And, um, you know, uh, Peter, your um, your uh, chat tonight was definitely compelling. I'd, I'd love to get down there and give it a crack. Mm. Um, I won't be going past Oatlands. Um, <laughs> to see Uncle Toby. Yeah, purely out of safety concerns. And, um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I hope I'm wor- welcome up there in Bogues land, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's what's so it, many things it, that, ca- there's things that come to my mind where I realize as I'm thinking them, I shouldn't say them on the podcast and yeah. let's just leave it there. But, um, yeah, no, it was a good show, mate. I was, I was, I was in totally enthralled in what he had to say. Uh, mm. you know, a lot of it was, um, yeah, when you when you have a conversational type interview like that, uh, there's things you look back on. You go, I "Wish I sort of could have said that" or something like that. But um, you know, I would have liked to. Have, uh, we we talked a little bit off air about his uh, post production of his photos and stuff, which I thought was really interesting. But we um, we we couldn't fit that in in the show, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It was and, and it was speaking sort of, of faux um, pas, us scrolling through Instagram, going, "Yeah." Oh, the jaw dropping yeah. photographs, mate. Well, I mean, if if ever. If ever you've got five minutes and you wanna you wanna go to a happy place, check out Merseyflies Instagram page. It's 
it's uh it's pretty awe-inspiring and you know makes you want to make the trip so yeah yeah certainly does yeah it's um talking to pete off air too you know it's um it's sort of you know listening to how um enthusiastic he was talking about his um you know post-production on his photos and and that sort of thing it I mean, it, it makes you realise how much pressure comes on when that record button's on, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It, it's. It's often the case, isn't it, when we have guests on that when we when we hit record, we turn the record button off. Um, it's a whole different conversation, eh? Yeah. We got to find a way to work around that, eh? Just to- we lie to them, Colts. We lie to these guests and we we pretend like we haven't pressed the button. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if they see the red button on and they ask, what's that? What do you think we say? It's just malfunction, man. It's a You're being ignorant. Coming. Let it go. Yeah. Listen, we've done this 150 times. If yeah. You haven't. You know, yeah. watch and learn. Yeah. That's letting us know that that we're about to re- um, record in, in a few red moments. <laughs> That's why it's red. It's like the orange light of the traffic lights. Yeah. 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 Which means yeah. Well, floor it, right? Yeah, floor it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've heard I've heard the coppers are going to start putting um, speed cameras on the red light traffic cameras as well, because they reckon a lot of people are speeding in that orange light moment. Hey, just to get around, they're like flooring it and hitting the hitting the uh, you know above the speed limits, and they see it as an opportunity to um, I won't say res- revenue raise, but enforce extra safety. You know what I reckon they would get their most tickets from is if they set up a speed camera, right, and then and then um, and then set another one up a kilometer up ahead because you yes. don't know how many times you follow <laughs> you follow people they slow right down to like it might be a hundred they'll do eighty past the speed camera as soon as they get past boom, put the hammer down yes. and do like a hundred twenty mate they <laughs> they would get hundreds of people doing that one I reckon <laughs> clearly clearly coppers don't fish right. <laughs> <laughs> they're not real they're not real good hunters <laughs> yeah it would um, you know they only need to do it two or three times and people would uh, would take the message seriously about adhering to the speed limits 100% of the time yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep yes mm. road safety is a um, is no joke that's for sure <laughs> no joke yep. no joke. no joke wasn't there yeah. something else you want to bring up on the outro mate Listen, um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I, I just want to, uh, on behalf of all uh, listeners, wish you a happy Father's Day for Sunday. Um, is that what you wanted to bring up? Uh, do, was it the, the topic of, um, you know, similar to Father's Day, but empty batteries? Is that what you want me to talk about? No. Nah, uh, nah. Well, you can if you want. But, yeah, happy Father's Day to everyone. Happy Father's Day to you too, Volts, by the time this show comes out, right? Thank you. Yep, yep. I'm the uh, the proud father of two young boys and a dog. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you mm. on behalf of that to recognise mm. the contributions and sacrifices of fathers and father figures everywhere. You mm. know. Yeah. Good on you. Mm. Yeah. No. Thanks, mate. Uh, happy Happy Father's Day to me too. Um, is that where you're going? Is my leading? Yeah. 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 Oh. Okay. 
Yeah, I just said that before you said it to me. So for, okay. for a third time, I will say happy Father's Day. <laughs> did you? Did you say it to me? Okay, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. The, the I am the father of, a, uh, of, of, of one daughter, and I'm also the father of the Slow Water Game Changer. And Game Changer, let me tell you. Oh, my God, here I go again. Uh, I, I need to contact my support staff. Just give me a few moments. Yeah. And um, we'll calm down. Uh, hey, um, <laughs> hey, while we're, while we're being verbostic, um, yep. do you know any good permit crabs? <laughs> today <laughs> is the day. <laughs> I do know okay, uh, yep. one in particular. It's called the VGDC. Oh, oh well, thank you. But technically, it was de- designed for far less discerning uh, 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 flat species like goldies. But yeah, it's um. Well, that's right. Well, it's not the it's not the um, the VPG whatever. Yeah. V. Policy yeah, no, v, VPDC, VPDC, yeah, sounds like a, a porno, right? VP, visible panty, yeah, don't worry. Anyway. yeah, um, yeah, no, the uh, the gas crab, is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, I see there's a bloody million of those going out, now there's going to be, uh, did you say there's the makings of a couple in each of the kits for the Hinchinbrook comp? I said that in the intro, mate. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be a fuckload of them out there, mate. You're going to need the next gen coming through, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. mate. I don't think there's anything that needs to be done to it. I know some guys are culling them in, and that's cool. Um, you know, it's been a subject of contention between myself and, and Paul Dolan as to putting black eyes on a moon crab. He's confident with it. I've never seen it. Um, what are you. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that joke. Um, damn. Um, <laughs> What about what about colouring the hooks, mate? There seems to be a bit of um, a bit of uh, discussion. Some people like, um, you know, the probably not a bad idea. Colour. Could it hurt? Uh, I think I think the only way it hurt is if you covered the point. Yeah, you know? uh, probably can't hurt. I wonder if um, it would affect penetration once it gets past the point. If there's too much friction, depending on the type of paint used, you know, I don't know. That's a you really. If you use a, a matte type paint, it might be more textured and it might have a harder time sliding through the flesh as opposed to a gloss. So yep. maybe get to your paint shop and ask them, you know, about the best paint to use on permanent hooks. I don't know. Maybe a Teflon coated hook would be the go, mate, from that point Perhaps. of view. Extra Perhaps. penetration. You, you know how hard it is to pin someone who's Teflon, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a few other in- innovations. It's, it's funny... Um, you know, for somebody who is a, a student of the flat fly game, you know, um, we spend a lot of time off air talking about, you know, crab flies. You know, obviously, um, you know, a few of the ones we've spoken about, um, and and all various iterations of the ones that you know we we have insight into across the thing. And it's it's pretty rare for something totally, I'll say, you know, relatively different or totally different or new to come along and. You know, the Gavs was uh, was like that. But anyway, we're far, far uh, off track. No, I'll, I'll tell you something that's quite interesting with this, with, with the Gavs crab, is that, you know, there's there's a couple of Australian fly inventions that are, you know, people say that you, you'll never invent a new fly. It's all been done. But, and that's true, you know, but there are some standout variations of, of flies that have been done. You know, that's for sure. I mean, crab flies have been done for, for death. And, I mean... Mate, depending on how, how long people have been fly fishing, I'm sure there's plenty of people who could vouch that game changes have been done before the name game changer came about too, you know. But um, 
Gav's crab. I'm tooting my own horn here, but like a slow water game changer as well. You know, like it's um, you know, there's some some great Aussie fly inventions, and and it's not just them two. Obviously, there's some awesome like the VGDC. You know, as well. Like that's a that's a build on a Merkin. Um, you know, I mean these are the, these are the ones we're immediately talking about now. But I mean, a lot of those flies are, are undeniable. You know, they they really are. You can't you can't deny how effective and how how many captures that Gav's crab has had. You know. Um, it's, uh, I mentioned a post and I alluded to, I don't want to take it down a dark path, but I just, it's just amazing to watch tall poppy in, 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 um, in action, you know, like there's some people that are supplying flies to people that are spending massive amounts of coin on their one annual trip. And, you know, I know that some of those guys have asked some of those people that aren't getting behind that pattern and they're flat out refused to tie them. What a shame for them to miss out on, on such a, such a, um, such an, a pattern that is so effective, you know? Yeah. It really is. It really, really is. You know, it's it, it, a the expression cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Well, the funny yeah. thing is, mate, it doesn't matter what you or I think or what anyone, any human thinks, you know, when it comes to an effective fly for fishing, it only matters what the fish thinks, Correct. you know? And it, and if, it, if only you got a second chance because of the politics, how unrealistic is that, you know? Mm. It's just, um, yeah. it really is amazing. It's, uh, it's amazing that um, that that in in Australia we've got so much potential for innovation. We're an innovative country in so many fields, and fishing seems to be no no different, you know. But the one thing that just cuts innovation down in Australia is just tribalism. Talk tribalism. Hobby. Yeah. I'll, th- I'll throw my I'll throw another one in the in the mix there. One thing that another thing that kills innovation is imitation. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've mentioned that, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, this is this is people don't want this. No, my point is that um, yeah, yeah, seek it out. Like if it's it's worth seeking out. I mean, you know, if, if you want it, you know, get it. Don't let anyone stand your way to get it. That's for sure. And how and, will they find that? Oh, look, there's heaps of people. There's there's. I mean, I mean, I could. I mean, like you got Chad Ploy uh, from Ploy Flies. He's tying him. Axel from Freehand Flies. He's tying him. Um, there's a new a new fly tie, um, Anthony Strati from Ants Flies. He's tying them. Dill's hand tie flies. He's tying them. There's four really good fly ties right there. Oh, oh, oh Toby, Toby from um, Tobi, uh, Toby from Hellman Flies. Um, he's tying them. Um, I can't think of. I he's a, he's a Hellman. I can't think of. I I, I really apologise. There's someone out there who else is tying that I'm forgetting, and I really really apologise. Or, you know, there's a video. I mean, it's the easiest fly in the world to tie. It really is. But the rules are there. You got to adhere to them. So you can um, you can get hold of it in many different ways. There's no no reason why you have to settle for someone else's opinion who probably doesn't you know lives nowhere near the places you'd use them. Let's put it that way. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so yeah, mate. Dude, I feel like we're going to run out of time. Any. I second. feel like we're going to run out of time any second too, mate. You know, yeah. But, um, but, but there yeah. is one thing you haven't mentioned this show. We've Does done game, game changers. Oh. We've done Gabs Grabs. We've done our sponsors. VGDCs. We've done de- uh, Dentition. VPGCs. Um, you jumped in there, Dentition, Benthic Strata. Yep. Um, there was something you haven't done yet. Follow the beef. That's the one. Yep. And we're gonna leave, we're gonna leave that with you, folks. We always remember to follow the beef. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch you later. Thanks for listening, and I'll. Um, See you around, Chris. Oh, hey, um, Vaults. Yeah. Go to bed and wake up with some beef. Um, 
No, that didn't work at all. <laughs> I'm going to tell my missus you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so many ways you could accept that one, hey, I guess. <laughs> She'll be the one waking up with a beef. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. Anyway, yeah. great show, Bolts. Pat on the back. Well done, sir. And uh, we'll see you guys in another fortnight. Thanks, Chris, and thanks, Peter. Yeah. Yes. All right, catch up. Merman, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs>